0: Have I got a story for you. Renouncing the religion you were raised with. Hopping off that corporate ladder climb. Just a couple examples of there being no wrong choice. Don't worry, listeners. She's going to share why. But first, a word from today's sponsor, AndrePsyche.com. AndrePsyche.com is the cute, quaint corner store boutique I don't know why I like that so much, Um, probably because I wrote it, but I really like that cute, quaint corner store boutique, the alliteration. um, It tickles me. AndrePsyche.com, they have all sorts of neat and original things, like merchandise you had no idea existed. Most people, including you if you're being honest, are surfing the web looking for something new. Well, my friends, the internet, thanks to free Wi-Fi hotspots allows you to shop and obtain all of the items created by Andre that you've never seen before. We are talking literature, clothing, paintings, prints, accessories, music, poetry, and actually any custom gift that your soul desires. Andre, after all, is a freelance creator extraordinaire. So go to andrepsyche.com and let your spirit guide you because each and every item is going to have a story behind it that will speak to your soul. Nothing is made. Everything is created on AndrePsyche.com. We are also brought to you by the Getting to Know You Pod. Please, do us a favor. Take a moment right now to keep the momentum going. Push subscribe on Apple or Spotify, Stitcher, whatever app you're listening to the Getting to Know You Pod on. And while you're at it, please rate and review the podcast. And if you haven't already, friend and follow the pod. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Just search us up. It's getting the number two, no, the letter U pod. And finally, we are looking for sponsors. If you or someone you know has a business or brand, much like Andre, and would like to expand your market globally, please consider partnering with us. We get to know people from all around the world. This podcast is downloaded in 24 different countries and 37 states in America. We just hit 1,800 downloads. So if you or someone you know are looking to get more traffic to your site, more followers on your social, more purchases of your product, more clicks on your whatever, just message us. Our sponsorship rates are extremely reasonable, and we would love to partner with you. And now, getting to know you
1: hello getting
2: to know you getting to know all about you
1: i'm gonna do a terrific show today
2: getting to like you getting to hope you like me because i'm good enough getting to know you putting it my way but nicely i'm smart enough you are precisely and doggone it
0: On today's show, we are getting to know Halai. Halai coming to us from um, recently locked down California. Again, locked down California. (laughs) How's it going, man? It's going
2: really good. I mean, considering all things.
0: Right. Yeah, so we were chatting maybe, whatever, a minute or two before, a couple minutes before um, I started recording about how uh, California is now going... um, (sighs) Just harsher, harsher restrictions, <laughs> harsher, harsher limit on already limited freedoms, man, uh, which sucks. It's got to eat you up as far as like being a youngin' out there, right?
2: Yeah, it's such a tease. I mean, I think this is my <laughs> first summer like back in California in the Bay Area. And I'm just, I thought I could enjoy it a little bit, but it's just like, here's the beach and here's everything I want to do, but I can't. <laughs>
0: so. Yeah. How, like, how is that just the pulse of the people or whatever? how is that being received like protest kind of stuff or everybody's just accepting it or they're ignoring it?
2: I feel like it's quite polar. Like California has some very liberal people who are so supportive of it. Like if you go to San Francisco, everyone walks around with masks and it's, it's very intense. Like, you can feel the energy there. Um, and then I have friends in Sacramento and it's a little bit more inland and more towards Tahoe and it's just so lax and everybody's acting pretty casual over there. So it just depends on where you are.
0: Yeah. That, uh, that mask energy, man. Um, (laughs) I feel it too. Like, dude, just going to the grocery store. Like I, it's just so awkward to like be around people and fear their reaction to you maybe getting within three, four feet of them. Mm You know, it's like almost like this, like, like you said, energy or a magnet. That's like repulsing you away from being near anyone, man. It's, it's odd.
2: Yeah, when I first actually, so I moved here very suddenly from Bali, just because of all the stuff we were hearing in March. And I had to quarantine with one of my cousins who flew with me for about a week without family in a hotel. And it was just like the weirdest thing to know that my family didn't want to be around me. (laughs) Uh, Because they see my grandma and she's had pneumonia recently. But it was just like, I just got back after like nine months of traveling. Nobody wants to see me. Nobody wants to hug me. Like I felt like I was the virus, not just a potential human with a virus.
0: Yeah. Scarlet letter type stuff, man. Um,
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So is your family pretty like lovey dovey, huggy, kissy kind of a thing? So it was tough on them or is it more like a colder, not, shouldn't say like sterile relationship, but some families just aren't affectionate towards one another, you know?
2: Oh, that's interesting. You ask. Yeah, we're not like super affectionate either. But I, it was just such an uncomfortable feeling to not be around people in this like depressing time, and nobody goes to a hotel uh, during <laughs> Corona. <laughs> so it was like a lot of weirdos to be quite honest.
0: I was gonna say. So how did you pass the time, man?
2: Oh man, we just did a lot of walks. I'm so grateful I had my cousin with me. Um, so we just kind of like walked and. and kind of hated on our families a little bit, complained about them. Um,
0: <laughs> about how they were shunning you?
2: Yeah, I was like, I can't believe they're doing this to us. Like sent them like some texts until finally we, we got a test and we were clear and, and got to go back home. But yeah, it was nice to have somebody to complain with.
0: Yeah, I feel like I missed a market opportunity there because so many people, especially in um cities that are dense we're so lonely that I almost wish like I could have been like a mail order bride kind of a thing where <laughs> you could just like order a friendship. And it's like, you know what, man, I think I'm healthy enough. Screw it. I'll just come hang with you for a couple weeks and uh, we'll <laughs> pass the time. You know, I that think that is
2: so funny. I like
0: that. um Yeah, I got inspired. Uh, I was seeing whatever video about in Japan you can um pay to get napped with like cuddle. Someone cuddles you as you nap. Oh my gosh, that is crazy. Yeah, I, like I don't know if it's whatever, like not the massage parlor kind of happy ending vibe, yeah. but it it seemed like real like Hello Kitty-ish, you know, like I'm, I just want human contact. Let me snuggle yeah. you. And like th- they had these pods, man, and everybody in there was like taking naps and snuggling. So I saw a video, I was like, dude, you could totally sell yourself in Corona now for like just <laughs> just a relationship, man. Because I think it the isolation, um, most people just so aren't used to that, that extreme loneliness, even though you're not lonely, it's so odd.
2: Yeah. I mean, honestly, loneliness is a much higher cause of death than anything else. Like people suffer and get all the other side effects because of loneliness. So I, I don't know. I, I so think that the, the loneliness is real, even if you don't feel like, yeah, we're all in this together, but if you feel alone, that, that's totally valid. And, and I, I feel for that.
0: Yeah, and it's fun because with the ability to whatever Zoom, FaceTime, even us being able to talk like this, um, which is easier than it almost has ever been, um, mm-hmm. it, it's strange how much of an emphasis, at least for me, I've realized like social media really isn't, it doesn't fill that social need, mm-hmm. you know? And um, I, I, I'm interested to see once, um, I don't know, once crowds are allowed to gather again, how much like that will be embraced by people or are they going to still be kind of freaked out and leery? Like almost like, Oh my God, like your family, right? Nobody wants to be the one that went to a concert and then comes home. And then all of a sudden you're like black sheep, scarlet letter. You're the reason we can't barbecue or go to grandma's birthday, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah, that's so true. And, and I guess it's just going to be slowly we see, but I mean, we have some restaurants open and they still are right now. But I think that it's almost like a clicky vibe. You know, you just stay with your people, you stay at your table, you don't get up. So I wonder if it's going to, this experience is going to encourage us and to stay with your own and who you belong with versus like this thirst to be around anybody.
0: Right. The old school, high school lunch table, right?
2: Where, Mm -hmm. Where the
0: little groups have their own tables and you never stray from your pack.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's, I hadn't thought about that, dude. How big, yeah. How big is your circle? Like um amount of people you're feeling comfortable being around.
2: Um well I have a lot of family nearby. So I'll be honest, I have been seeing family here and there. But <laughs> to be to be frank, like I so believe that mental health is most important than anything. So take your precautions, but being around people that you love, that makes you happy, that's gonna keep you healthy. So I still see my grandma, I see both grandmas actually. Um I see my cousins and I feel like it's important to have that time. I I think it's, yeah, I I don't feel like I should be fully taking that away as long as I'm being mindful and cautious.
0: So you're staying with like the family circle kind of a thing. You're um...
2: yeah, mostly.
0: Gotcha. Mostly. Uh Uh-oh. So you got a group of friends that you're tearing it up with a little bit too, huh?
2: (laughs) Well, I have to be honest. Um, I haven't lived in California in a little while. Like I, was in Bali. And before that I was in Denver and before that I was traveling. So a lot of my friends are elsewhere. <laughs> and I wonder if they were more of them were here, I would be seeing more of them. Um, so yeah, I, I am seeing people. <laughs>
0: gotcha. And so when have you gone out to like sit in a restaurant and eat? Or are you does that freak you out a little bit?
2: Oh, I, I definitely have. Yeah. We yeah. have outdoor restaurants open and I, I've gone to that
0: a few times. So. Yeah. Right. I feel completely fine in outdoor. I actually feel it's weird though, but I feel fine like in an indoor restaurant, you know?
2: Mm, yeah. Um, have you been yet?
0: Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Cause I try, I grew up, you know, in the restaurant business. So I've really tried to, um, just pump some money back in there, man. Cause right now, um, and it's funny, we were talking, you said you had a friend in Dewey, like right now, man, you can make, there are people who make 40 grand a summer here. At the beach i mean working oh, wow. just busting just busting ass for three four months you know and um it gets them through it gets them through months where you literally make no money in february kind of a thing um mm-hmm. so yeah i do i try to go in try to tip you know substantially <laughs> 40 50 percent which is not normal but you know you kick them a little extra money because right. the uh, capacity is so limited um but you can like it again it's weird when like you walk in as a and i'm not super young i think i'm almost 39. Um, you'll see like an older couple at a table and they'll like, eye you down almost like worried how close you're going to get to them. And then that's when I start getting that vibe again of like, am I, am I wrong? Should I be feeling guilty? Should I not be like carefree like this? And it, um, it screws with me, man. It, It messes with the experience going out to eat and, you know, just, yeah.
2: I mean, the whole idea of like, you have to wear a mask when you walk into your table and then when you sit down, you're, you're all good. Like you're I, totally
0: clear. Isn't that so weird. Yeah. And then, but when you walk <laughs> to the bathroom, make sure you put it on again. Right. And then you're like, is that to like to stop you from sneezing and coughing? Like, like what was the, cause you're going to pass somebody. I, I've so wondered that too. Um, the, the, <laughs> the radius of your saliva particles in the air. <laughs> That's a
2: nice way to put it. Right? Um, I don't know. I just, there's so many random rules and they change so frequently. And I mean, I keep going back to like, all right, it's all in my head. I'm going to take care and the people around me will be taken care of as well. And yeah, I don't know. I, it might sound outlandish to think this way. And I know not everybody agrees, but that's kind of just into some degree what I prefer. Like I would rather not worry and like be like stressed about particles. Right. Um, Because I feel
0: like that would just go crazy. There's no way. And then the thing with all the testing, which, um, like, so you can get this thing, it can sit in you for four days, right? So if I get tested and then I roll out and hit the supermarket up or go pump some gas and someone sneezes and then Mm -hmm. three days later I get my test results. Well, I could have been infected at any moment in public in those three days, you know? So like, even if you get cleared, are you ever really clear? (laughs) <laughs> you, you know, like, right. and, and it's one of those things that baffles me that I'm like the, the testing, it's good to know if you have it, but it can almost give a false sense of confidence to people if they're like, Oh, I'm negative. And then you go hit up the bars and all of a sudden you're spreading it around because you had one test three weeks ago. But it, yeah, but, but at the same so time, true. I'm like, I feel like that's fine, man. Like I almost feel like that herd immunity is you almost have to get to because of the effects on the economy, on the effects of mental health. Um, I just, even, um, the healthy living lifestyle, like being out in Cali, dude, those beaches, don't they get used all the time for like working out and jogging, running, rollerblading and all that stuff.
2: I mean, it's, they had it closed for a while, which I didn't totally agree with or understand. Um, but now it's open. Yes. Right? It's Northern California is a little bit different. Less, less roller skating vibes up here. Okay. Um, it's a little bit cooler, but yeah, Southern California Absolutely. Like that's people are constantly at the
0: beaches and um
2: yeah, it, it's just like a day-to-day activity.
0: Yeah, right. Like a healthy lifestyle kind of a thing. And um, yeah. you know, being um fighting obesity, which is so easy to become obese in America, man, with uh, the way people eat, like being out in the sun and being active and having your immune system like running the right way is probably so much I shouldn't even I'm talking like I'm a doctor, but I'm like I'm weighing the benefits of being healthy, being outside, and then just battling Corona on your own with your own immune system versus mm-hmm. sitting in the house, being sedentary. And then you go to the supermarket to get some processed food, you catch it and, um, your body's not healthy enough to fight it. You know?
2: Oh my gosh. You are, this is me. Like, oh, is it? <laughs> I, I, I feel this so deeply. Um, and it's frustrating because vitamin D is what's going to help you fight this being active, eating good food, taking care of yourself, smiling, like that is how we stay healthy. Like our bodies are these magnificent like beings. Yeah, that they're, they're, they're able they're to amazing. heal themselves. I know. It's like, why are we, we don't need to depend on this stuff. And so it's just, it's silly that that's not being uh, marketed.
0: Yeah. Well, so conspiracy Sean goes to like, is it not being marketed because you're marketing a virus or I'm sorry, you're marketing a vaccine, you're marketing masks, you're marketing things that are bought and purchased. And that's a business thing. So Mm -hmm. that's why those things get marketed versus, Hey, you know what you could do? Just go for a jog in the sun costs zero money. And you're going to feel so much better about yourself. You know, go go for a long walk, but like, that's like, it's weird. It's free advice that no one profits on. And you almost look at this Corona thing. And I'm getting to the point where it's like, who's profiting, man. Cause whoever's Mm -hmm. profiting, making these rules are, um, they're screwing a lot of people over. <laughs> They're just making life uncomfortable. Unnecessarily uncomfortable.
2: Yeah, and, and I hate the word conspiracy because I feel like people get so turned off when they hear that. But it just follow the money trail. Think about it. Like we are allowed to use our minds and, and just observe what's going on and then make our own opinion. We don't need to just like blindly be like, All right, this is the way it is, this is what yeah. I must do. So I mean I remember there was a time when they were saying like, Oh, stop wearing masks you know you're taking it away from the medical professionals yet we have no shortage of like uh bulletproof shields oh. for police <laughs> like that didn't make any sense to me
0: <laughs> that's so yeah that riot gear right which is ppe like you could easily have given all those riot gear helmets to any nurse or doctor
2: yeah Right.
0: that's, but, that's such a great point
2: shocking but we ignore it a lot of times because it's so uncomfortable, you know, If we, we, the thought that there is this like, you know, trickery going on, like, is just so like too much to believe or too much to accept at one point. So, so if you're it, not ready for it, you're not going to take it.
0: I go, oh, man, I kind of go in the other direction where I'm like, it angers me because I can't do anything about it. It makes me feel helpless when I think mm-hmm. like big conglomerate conspiracy. You know, cause I'm like, all right, well, whatever. If I acknowledge it and if I go down the road and I find, and if I get empowered with information, what am I going to do? Right. Like I, I don't mm-hmm. know if anything's going to change or it's going to be any better. So like you almost don't want to waste the uh, time and energy on it because it just leads you to um, being upset. <laughs> it doesn't lead to a smile. It leads to a frown.
2: So, so true. Yeah. I, I have the same point. I, I go deep into it and I'm like, Oh, now I'm just, Stuck here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the hole, but like now I'm in the hole.
0: Yeah. I feel like I should have been doing pottery or something with my time otherwise, like journaling or something. <laughs> something yeah. more constructive and like self-realizing and fulfilling, other than like being upset at um something that uh I I guess is kind of affecting me, but not really, really affecting me, you know. And um I don't know, I guess that's when like change change doesn't really happen until it actually affects enough people individually where they're like, yeah, we got to stop this, you know,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, which is kind of like what we're seeing with those uh, protests. Um, Enough people are just like, dude, it's, I I got a story. I got someone who's been a victim and I'm going to stand up for it. And like that, I don't know, I guess the more I talk out loud about things and connect, the more I see like the protest, almost like Corona and wonder will people come out and start protesting those limitations? Like the governor's putting back in California, like the governor in Delaware has done, like, will they, just be like you can't stop us dude we're gonna go out and we're gonna have a good time and we're gonna enjoy the sun and we're accepting that personal responsibility um i don't know
2: yeah i, I do see it going actually more in that direction I, I don't i can't imagine everybody going back into their house and sitting and staying put God. i know that there, there's this fear that's being instilled like you know numbers are going up numbers are going up like but i i think that at the the core people are, are starting to realize more we're more awake and more aware than we were three months ago.
0: Yeah. So as a collective. Right. And so, and I was thinking about this when you had mentioned about huge proponent of vitamin D Um, I'm not saying you're an (laughs) anti-vaxxer, but like (laughs) for me, I've always hated taking like pills and medicines just because I feel like the body is, if you treat your body right, the body is just, it, it rebounds. It takes care of itself Mm -hmm. because it wants to survive. And I'm wondering like, how do you deal with that when you go to doctors or take in medications and stuff versus um, diet and exercise?
2: I'm a huge proponent for natural, everything natural. Yeah. So I, I think the body's fully capable. And anytime you have a sickness or an illness, it's something is wrong with you energetically and it's manifested into this physical ailment. I that's just how it is. I, I feel like it's not random that we get, you know, even cancer. What part of you, what part of your energetic body is feeling depleted and hurt and um, a trauma that was never, ever healed? Oh, so wait. I, I think it's so, so connected to what's going on inside. And if we handle that, then all these side effects will disappear. But of course, medicine is like kind of like a quick, easy crutch. And that's why it's so quick to turn to, turn it out.
0: Yeah, it's, it's almost like the uh, six minute abs or eight minute abs where people are like, I could just do whatever, but I can do this one little six minute workout and I'll get abs and I'll feel good. And it's like, that's almost like what medicine is. It's like, dude, just pop this pill and you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you mean the energetic body part? And I'm pretty ignorant to this whole thing. And, um, you seem very well traveled, very well spoken. So I'm going to lean on you and your expertise. Um, I, I hadn't thought about that. Like there are actually different energy parts to you.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, we all have like the different chakras and different parts of our bodies that carry different purposes. So if you think about like your breast, like if somebody has breast cancer, your breast is a part of you that's like giving and nurturing and taking care. It's like the mothering part of you. To what degree is that being, um, you know, overused or, um, not valued or not appreciated or, oh, man just ex- over exhausted really like you know you notice how that shows up in certain people it's like okay what part of them are they feeling just like completely torn apart um and then if you address that then it's like okay then now we can start to heal the problem but
0: address it like counseling wise like you talk to them about man i just whatever you're a single mother you've got a bunch of kids and now you feel like you never get a break or you're always on the go or you feel like a failure because your kids don't have enough or something and then you counsel them to feel Better, which is almost like preventative for breast cancer. Am I summing up? Yeah,
2: yeah, sure. It, it can be. I, I don't want to claim that like no, I can no, yeah. prevent anything like that, but um, I, it's not even that. That person may need counseling. Maybe it's just you sit with yourself and you slow down and figure out what it is within me that I feel like is not being fulfilled. Um, and it could happen through counseling. Could happen through um, like connecting with other people that are on that journey. It could be. You know, just your own journey, whatever that means for you, whatever healing modality seems to click for you, that that's what it'll be.
0: Healing modality. Um, can you elaborate? Healing modality.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. There's, there's just so many ways. So you, we all come into this world with like our own set of uh, soul healing. I like to think that we need to do in order for our soul to grow and evolve. Mm-hmm. There's a certain set of lessons, and that's why our lives all look so different. Um, but ultimately, no. to heal that part of us that's damaged, we need to go back and figure out what, what is a match for me. So uh, one of my trainings is neuro-linguistic programming, NLP. And so that, that might click for you, you know, figuring out how your brain patterns are affecting your behavior and how your beliefs are creating these automatic habits. Um, so being able to rewire that somebody else might love hypnotherapy and wanting to sink back into like, okay, what's at the deep level of oh their unconscious that's affecting you. them today.
0: Got you, got you, Um,
2: yeah. So things like that, women's circles, I Do, think that's one of my favorites. I've had so much healing done from a circle space and being able to talk with other people. So,
0: yeah. And so it's funny. I was um, reading this book. I think it's a uh, empire of the rising sun. Um, it's, it's a book about the Comanches and, um, so they're Native Americans and Native Americans are very spiritual, right? And each tribe had their own belief about how things should be done. The Comanches were such warriors. They were like, we, we don't care about tradition. We care about what works. <laughs> so they would go around and they would like see another tribe doing something. And then if that tribe had benefits, the Comanches would kind of like copy it, right? So if, like, whatever, if it was a war dance, if it was a piece of medicine, if it was something they did to like, yeah. train, they were like, we adopt that. And I, that's where my head started going when you were talking about this healing modalities. And it's almost like uh, it, it, I'd never thought about that before with like different things work for different people. It almost seems so like anti-religious, like an, I'm not saying you're anti-Catholic, but like, you know, if you're like race Catholic, it's like, well, that's what you believe. That's how you yeah. get well is you go with our Catholic beliefs. And all of a sudden you leave and become whatever, a Buddhist or a Muslim. And now it's like, oh, you're dead to me. And it's like <laughs> well, Maybe that was my path, right? Maybe that's what makes me feel better.
2: Totally. And, like, why is it that, you know, if you do say, okay, I want to be Buddhist, like, do I need to adopt everything that is Buddhist? No. There could be a piece within each, um, you know, sector that's like, yeah, I click with that. that. That works with me. I vibe with that. Why not? We are all, we have so much within us that's unique. How can one doctrine be just like, all right, this is where we belong, and now I need to, you know, fit in with every aspect of this? It's just not, I don't think it's as realistic
0: right yeah and it's it's funny because to me i almost go back to that marketing and to like do the churches or do these um institutions put in these you must fits in order to profit in order to grow because it makes you conform and it makes you dependent on them versus feeling you right like almost having that conversation with yourself and being open to other things because you don't know what carrots taste like until you eat a carrot (laughs) and you don't know if you're going to like it or not. Right. So if you grow up and only thing you've ever had is a pea and you're scared to go try any other type of food, you're missing out on all sorts of nutrients, all sorts of great experiences. And I feel sometimes with healing um, and especially religion, spirituality, people can fall into that rut.
2: Yeah. And it's so easy to be like, all right, carrots are, uh, whatever I don't know what you said, but carrots are evil or, or peas are evil. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Stay away from those. They're, those are poisonous. Um, and I think that's what creates so much animosity. It's not because like anyone is really wrong. It's just the fear that they're going to leave or they're not going to be loyal or uh, just attached to you. Uh, so that's I, I do think that that's why there's so much of that so many rules that says this is wrong and we're going to make sure you know that you're punished for what yeah. you step outside that boundary,
0: that fear. And dude, so i again, I had never thought about your energy causing a physical ailment. Right. And, mm-hmm. but if you think about fear and people being worried or people um, wanting to make sure they please so that they stay on your good side, like that's a lot of anxiety. Right. Mm-hmm. And that stuff would have to manifest itself in some way. Cause energy can be not created or destroyed. <laughs> so it's got to do something to you. Um, man, I had not that. I don't know. It, it, it's, it's like almost like spirituality should be a freeing thing. And sometimes it becomes like a bondage thing where people are like trapped within it.
2: I yeah. Like I mean, it, it is, it, it can feel that way. I feel like when you don't allow yourself just to think for yourself, like right. in my opinion, spirituality is the study of the self, you are a spirit. So you're just discovering yourself. Who says there's a way to do that? Like, Hey, it's, it's me. I'm going to work on me and figure out me.
0: So like, what, what do you think as far as like, do you believe in a creator? Like, you know, whatever, um, Jesus Christ, your Lord and savior, God created the earth, Adam and Eve made people and then reproduced and populated, right? Like mm-hmm. how, where does this soul or this spirit come from?
2: So I like to think that we are all spirits in like a human experience. So we can incarnate as, you know, a tree or a butterfly um, or in this lifetime, a human. And there's lessons to be learned in being a human being. So what we're supposed to experience is just set for us. Um, But we have multiple lifetimes is what I like to see. Like one spirit cannot fully understand all that there is to know to become like you know, an ascended being until they've had multiple lifetimes and multiple experiences. But I do believe, yeah, we all come from like the same creator, no matter who you are, where you are, when you've been alive, you came from the same source. And, you know, coming into this human life, it's this illusion that we're all separate, we're all different, and we are have this thirst to belong. Like there's this illusion that we don't, we don't fit in anywhere, but really we all came from the same place. And now we're on this journey in this human experience to figure that out and remember that again, oh. uh, despite, you know, the, the confines that we
0: have in this existence. So then I, I guess what would, man, I, and it's funny. Cause like, I, 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 I think, kind of complex things, at least I feel like they're complex. And then I always wor- worry that I'm going to word them in, in like some sort of an offensive <laughs> way, cause I'm so ignorant to this, but what I'm thinking is like the creator, why does the creator make us go on a journey to get to this actualization, right? Like how come it not a waste of time, but like a waste of time, man, like if you could make us whole, if you can take parts of us, you can also make us whole. So why aren't we just made whole? And then we're immediately fulfilled. Why go through all this? Have you ever thought about that?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. So the way that you're actually asking this question is the assumption that the creator and us, we are separate from the creator, but ultimately we are an extension. So if you think about it as like a tree and the creator is like the roots and the, and like the the trunk of the tree, but we're like these little branches and it's like the branch is still the tree. And the trunk is a tree, but, you know, they're also identified separately. But it still as part of one whole. And so when it, it extends itself into this human life, its purpose is to experience itself. Like it wants to experience what it feels like to feel everything like how beautiful it is that we get to feel deep sadness because we love that we get to have rage because we we care that we get to fall in love and and fall out of love and in love again with that. That's such a beautiful experience. And so I think that's, that's what the, in my opinion, what the intention is to feel what it's like to be all that
0: you are. It's to, it's the journey, not the destination kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. So then why isn't, (laughs) <laughs> and I, I, I it's funny because like the source creator, you know, like I I, I was raised, so you want to keep saying God, at least for me, right? Like that's yeah. like, why 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 doesn't God? But almost like lumping them together, like how I, I've never thought of being an extension. Like the roots really want sun, but they can't. The the roots have to have leaves. Leaves get to enjoy the sun, <laughs> and then they right. get to help and nourish the roots, right? So like, why if the creator, I guess the creator then is experiencing it if we are connected to them because the creator experiences our experiences. That was a exactly. lot of experiencing. Oh, dude, that was a great breakdown. Great <laughs> breakdown, man. I like that. That tree thing puts it in some context for me.
2: Yeah, we're all just, we're in it. We're enjoying it together and it'll happen over and over again is kind of what I, I I think that's one thing that I'm not, I didn't believe growing up. So I grew up actually Muslim and my beliefs still differ from my family, but I think it's, you've reached a really good point where we both respect each other and we both see each other and ultimately we're both saying the same thing. Um, but yeah, I think my, my differentiating with, with my original like upbringing is just the incarnation of multiple lifetimes and multiple experiences within one
0: spirit. So, and I'm not super familiar, I'm like surface level familiar with Muslim, right? But mm-hmm. I immediately, when I'm thinking Muslim go-to, I feel like that's even more rule-based and routine-based than being a Christian. So Yeah,
2: like, it can be. Like, it, I feel like um, the days are kind of, I remember when I was at this, uh, at a conference a few years ago and some, some girl was saying how much she loved being Muslim because you know, the day was pretty much set out for her. The most efficient way to live her day was already planned because right. she could pray at this time and she could fast at this time and she ate at this time. And I was like, what the hell? Why, why would I ever want that? <laughs> like who wants to be told how to exist? Um, and so I, I feel like I actually, I had a phase in my life where I actually had a quite an aversion to the religion and even the word God. I, I associated the word God with um, this upbringing. And I didn't want to like taint my experience of spirituality with that. But over time, like I've come to realize, and, and I feel like I've forgiven that part of my life and I still have so much love and respect for the intention. Um, so now I do say God and God and creator, are and source and universe are all, uh, the same for me really.
0: Yeah. It, and it's, It's weird because so many of, and for me, it would be English, right? Like you look at the Bible and you're like, how many different words or translations could mean the same thing? And then you pick one of the, like we just said, what, four or five words right there to try to describe the same entity. Even Mm -hmm. entity is another one. Well, like, now you translate that stuff to Portuguese. You take our English, we just spoke, it goes to Portuguese. Well, which one of those six words does Portuguese connect and use? And then stuff starts getting blended you know the the true intentional whatever the original language the language of origin was used is probably the most accurate to describe how people felt and as you keep translating you keep adding these other layers of culture and then you get your tribes and then people get offended and it's like well no we are we're, we're basically talking about the same thing you're you can call christ we can say buddha like it but we can say universe and it's like this spirit I, i've never understood why people get so upset um like i guess loyalist because they're just trying to like be a extreme loyalist to their beliefs
2: yeah i mean i think that's what's going to happen in 2020 where the entire planet is just kind of starting to realize how we've been existing just like complacently like ah this is just the way it is and the way it's always been and i think we're we're starting to shift and that's going to include things like this where why are we so against other religions why don't we see all people of faith and people who believe in more than this human existence as the same, right? Like we're on the same team. We're saying the same thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's almost just like we're caring for the same planet. We're, we're also caring for the same people. We're all these people. Mm -hmm. Right. And if we can just get over the fighting over these basic rules and laws that you think will lead to salvation and ascension, right? So it's coming from a good place and you're worried that I'm going to go to hell if I don't do it. Right. But then but I I don't think I'm going to hell. I I think I found my own ascension (laughs) path. Right. So like, can't we just be happy with each other? Can't we coexist knowing that I'm okay. You don't have to worry about me.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Don't worry. I I got it under control over here.
0: (laughs) Right. Did you, was there like a dinner time conversation where, where I think renounce is probably too harsh of a word, but you had to like go to your parents and say like, I am not Muslim. I do not identify as Muslim. Is that the way to say it? Like, or did yeah, it just yeah. kind of gradually that, happen?
2: That's, that's kind of it. so I did, it was actually probably maybe like two years ago now that I said that. And I remember my mom was so angry. Oh my gosh. She called me an atheist and my dad was a little more understanding, but just not very happy at all. Um, and it's like she didn't get it. Like, I wasn't saying that I don't believe in this. I don't want to have anything to do with it. I was just saying I don't I don't identify with this label anymore. Um, and there was actually a phase where I identified with nothing. Like, I, I didn't identify as Muslim or anything spiritual, and I didn't share that with them. That, I feel like, would be more scary. <laughs> but I thought that I was being so, just so open and, and educated, and they would understand, and they didn't. It took a little while. Um, and it wasn't honestly until this past year that they fully understand it and respect it and, uh, seek advice and support from me when, when it comes to situations that are, you know, requiring faith that we can't just, you know, reason our way out of her, yeah, right. so, especially with Corona right now, like the concern for my grandma, like I always, and like the, little preacher in the house, like, it's going to be okay.
0: It's nothing to worry about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like, except for Halei, who's an atheist and doesn't believe in God because our God right. is keeping us safe. And like, that's where the stuff can go. Right. And that's where like the, um, the tear in the relationship can occur when, um, people, some people will feel their beliefs are better for you than your own beliefs, that their beliefs will keep you safe, that their beliefs will help you. Um, yeah, that, that, God, a year of that kind of tension, man, that had to be a long time. That had to feel like more than a year.
2: Yeah. I mean, luckily I wasn't living at home again, um, so that was nice. <laughs> but if I was, yeah, it just, it's just too easy to stumble upon that conversation, um, especially when you are passionate about it. And um, I think, you know, like you said, you want so badly for other people to get it, to get what you're saying. And I think, there's like this egoic need for validation that if you agree with me, that means that I'm right and it's okay to believe this. And oh,
1: that's a good you know, point. it's
2: like a tribe mentality. Like yeah. you wanna be included so bad. And so there's that tension, like if they don't agree, like, am I sure I believe this? Is this really right? If nobody else is on my side?
0: Yeah, that's a good point too. So if they're not getting believers, maybe they're like, yo, maybe I got duped. <laughs> maybe <laughs> right? mine yeah. ain't the one. If, yeah. if I don't see a bunch of people around me doing it. Oh. Did they, um, did they pray over their meals for like dinner, breakfast, lunch, or whatever?
2: Um, no, we never did it during mealtime. Um, but prayers happen five times a day in Islam. The so there's a prayer like right before eating and a prayer after okay. dinner as well. But we weren't like super intense about doing that during Ramadan. So at the Holy Month we, we did it and were very involved. Um, and then outside of that, I would I actually got really into it on my own. My parents like instilled it but they didn't really make it super I don't know. They weren't, they weren't overly strict. Right. Oh, God, that's such a hard way to say strict because I feel like my version of strict, I compare myself to like my other um, Muslim friends. But then if I compare myself to my American friends, they're like, oh my gosh, your parents are so strict. But <laughs> it really just depends that word. <laughs> well,
0: it's all relative, varies. right? Like what's hot, right? Like how? how do, what temperature do you feel hot at, right? It's all mm-hmm. different. You know, everyone defines it a different way.
2: Yeah. Definitely. It it just depends on who you're around. So I I guess, I don't know. I I feel like they weren't, they did the job, but not fully. Like I (laughs) was told us, Hey, you should believe in God and stuff. And these are the rules and here's what you shouldn't be doing. But then again, it wasn't like the love, like there was no like, ah, this is such a beautiful religion for this reason. And I didn't feel that connection and the bigger positive. I feel like, again, this could be my own experience, but sometimes religion, Enforce all the things you shouldn't do and and make sure you avoid this. And here's your ticket into heaven. But what about all the good? Like in every single moment of every day, what blessing is it to have this connection? Like, I want to feel that. And I don't think I felt that um, growing up. And that's why I, I kind of veered away.
0: So then was it more about the values or more about the safety of avoiding a burning hell (laughs) for your parents (laughs) um, wanting you to um, uh, be a Muslim?
2: I mean, is that really different? You know, like are are your values not just to some degree sometimes designed around what to avoid? That's what was frustrating. It's like, are we designing our values around this is the, the best way to not be bad or this is the best way to be
0: good. <laughs> That's a good way to put it, right? Be bad or be good. It's amazing mm-hmm. the power of words, man. Like like just how you can shape – how tone is set on something when you're talking about the same thing. Using it just like that. Are we going to avoid being bad or are we going to embrace being good? Ultimately, mm-hmm. we're doing the same thing, but it sets just a different vibe the way you say Definitely. it.
1: Definitely.
0: So then yeah. you were into um, – Muslim, or you were, you actually like were, see, there's that clunky questioning again, where I feel like I'm just going to ask it in an offensive way, but you were actually into, you, you were practicing what you preached. You were living it for a bit there.
2: Yeah. So interestingly enough, so I wasn't like, it wasn't an intense Muslim, uh, growing up, but I went to college and there is this like longing for a deeper connection. And that's when I started actually weirdly getting more into it. Um, I joined a community like on campus. I would go to the Friday prayers every week. Um, I would pray like in my dorm room and, uh, in my, people knew me. I was like, oh yeah, Hawaii's just doing a prayer right now. It was quite interesting that I became that way without my parents and without them being around. Um, you even that didn't lead to much.
0: Well, I was going to say, do you think you went to it because you leave home and then you yearn for a part of home and that's why you choose it? Absolutely, that that
2: definitely could have been it. Like this, this is—I was quite lost, as most people are in college.
0: Um, <laughs> Intentionally lost for most people. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so I was definitely lost, but I guess that was to some degree like a way to ground myself. And okay, well, whatever, I'll, I'll, I'm okay with being lost. Um, it, it was, it was, it could have been a longing for home. I don't know. It's an interesting point. Not something I fully thought about, but I, I embraced it for what it was. And unfortunately it didn't get anywhere. Like I, I think I was like itching for like, all right, this is going to, this is going to give me what I need. And it didn't. So probably Mm -hmm. three years into college, um, I started letting it go and I didn't, um,
0: I didn't keep up with it. Oh wow. Three years. Mm -hmm. And so, and, um, West coast, I'm thinking a little more liberally, but in college, how, um, accepting, unaccepting, like ostracizing or solidifying is being a Muslim or you shouldn't say like converting to be a Muslim, but like that does have to be weird, right? So if you're a practicing Muslim and people seeing this, are they, are, are, are they associating it with like jihadists kind of a thing where you're like facing this, the hate that can come along with that? Or completely, or are you feeling embraced?
2: I'm glad you asked that. So um, when I was in college, my college was in Santa Barbara, and it was a predominantly white college, uh, probably like sixty or seventy percent. And I remember my roommates. I had three roommates, and all three of them were very conservative. Um, You know, I had two roommates and then a friend, but all three were very conservative. And then their friends were from home, also conservative. And they asked, like, can I just watch you pray? I've, I've never seen somebody do this before. I've never Curious. met a Muslim before.
0: Curious uh, conservatives.
2: <laughs> yes, very conservative from, like, uh, some part in Southern California. And, and yeah, so they did. And I, for some reason, I was just very – I'm actually quite proud of myself for owning that. Like, I was very just like, yeah, this is what I do. Like, that's just that. And I didn't – I was never bothered by their, um, like, just – disconnect from it. And I think they had, they had a curiosity and I didn't ever feel ostracized or disconnected from that, but I will, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't like that practicing Muslim where I didn't, you know, go out. I still drank. I still enjoyed my life. Um, so I had a balance. I I lived, but I valued this part of my, a part of the way it was, and I didn't hide it either.
0: So it almost sounds like it was more like a meditation kind of a time for you. Like you enjoyed, oh, no. you enjoyed the prayer. You enjoyed the stillness aspect, but you're, um, to almost like feel to get a sense of what you're feeling, but you're not trying to like rule 38 says Friday night, eight I'm in bed.
2: <laughs> it's funny you say 38. Cause that is my number. <laughs> That's like, <laughs> um, But yeah, exactly. That's so right. I, I wasn't like, I was always one of those people that I, whatever I heard, I wanted to take it for, for what it would work for me. Um, I just didn't want to, blindly be like,
0: this is the way it is. And this is the only way that I'm going to be accepted or do it right. Gotcha. Man. So, and now I'm almost, now I'm thinking like three years, your parents have to be pretty excited that you've adopted their religious or that the religious belief that they feel is best. And then, man, man, now I'm like, man, three years, they're like, yeah, hello. Yep. She's on the right path. Yes. And then all of a sudden you're actually fading away from it that would explain why mom would be like atheist and be so upset.
2: Yeah. I mean, it it made sense. I I understood where they're coming from because they were very happy. They were like proud of that. Um, but I mean, that's part of also part of their life experience, part of their soul. I, I like to believe, um, a lesson that they needed was how can you still like have your own faith and have, that like pride and connection and love for your kin when they don't believe what you believe. I think that is an interesting lesson that not everybody needs, but people who are experiencing that, how can you go about your life still valuing them for who they are? If yeah. that's something you disagree with.
0: Oh yeah, man. And um, it's something that I kind of, I, I, it's hard for me to be, say I can empathize or I know what I would do or whatnot. But if you think of parents and even if you went with conservative parents and then they happen to have a um, child who comes out as gay, right? Mm-hmm. And like still being okay with that kid. And you see so many people, you hear so many stories about the isolation and depression that the fear of people coming out because they're so worried about their family just ostracizing them. And it's such a crappy, shitty place to be mentally. Um and I don't know, I don't know why that popped into my head, but that's another thing where like, it—it it is, maybe that's part of your journey is to realize you can love someone and that would be closer to unconditional love. Like you're not placing a condition of their behavior and their emotions on them. You're going to support them regardless. And that can be really tough for a lot of people.
2: Mm-hmm. And people think like, oh, why me? Like, why did I end up like a conservative parent? Why did I end up with a kid who's is gay like this is unfair why is this person not dealing with this experience but i believe that that purposely happened for that person they needed it more than this other parent their the way that they're handling it um is a reflection of whether or not they're ready to transcend this the soul lesson um and and i think that's why we get all of our lives it's so different we have whatever shit comes down like that's what you have to handle and that's what The only way to like graduate, I like to think this lifetime is to, to make sure you're responding well to the way that things come,
0: come at you, man. I just like, who is putting, I don't know if who's again, the right word, but like who is deciding this is what we need to experience, right? Like individual differences, who's deciding like, Oh, I have to go through my, my child being homosexual. Your parents have to Mm -hmm. go through their, their child. Um, not accepting their religion, right? Like, like why aren't we all experiencing the same thing?
2: So, um, this is, I've read this in the book it's called journey of souls and it's about a hypnotherapist who does like, you know, tons of studies on how people, what happens in between lifetimes. So where does our soul go? What happens? Mm. And how does it come back? Um, and it's really interesting to read because it has so many stories and they're all kind of having the same structure the same outline of what, what happens, where you go, where you go, who do you speak with and how you choose your life next.
0: Oh, and what you get to choose.
2: Is, huh?
0: I said, choose. So you're in like the spiritual waiting room to, in, to inhabit something and you're like, Ooh, it'll be fun to be a supermodel this time.
2: <laughs> that's exactly. Yeah. That's literally it. So your, <laughs> your soul, um, before you come into this life, you basically have like options and you get to witness your entire lifetime Um, like through like a a TV screen or something like that and um, based on where you are you know if you want to like graduate to the next level you pick the, the life that's going to serve you the best so you choose that and then you're born and then you have this like veil of forgetfulness where you forget that you've chosen this life and that you are now experiencing it for the 10th 20th 100th time Um, So that's the whole illusion that is this experience that you showed up thinking like, oh my gosh, why is this happening? But you chose this to happen in order for you to evolve.
0: That sounds Um, really, it's an
2: interesting perspective. It gives you quite,
0: quite a lot more power. Dude, that sounds just like almost the Truman show. (laughs) Oh yeah. Like that, that I've, i have never heard. What was that called again? Or what, um, like if you had to attach that to. Again, like whatever religion, or not that it is a religion, but you know, you, people think Christian, you think Christ. People think Buddhist, you think Buddha, right? Like, So what is the waiting room choice, like a uh, uh, name? Um, wait, what do you mean? Like exactly. is this
2: the whole concept? Yeah,
0: there it is, concept. So you're better with words than I am. <laughs> yeah. I,
2: again, I just like to say it's all spirituality. Like this is just this like... The experience of the spirit. Your spirit is going through this whole story and this whole experience. Man. Um And I think spirituality encompasses Christianity and, and Buddhism and Hinduism and Catholicism and mm. Islam. It's all encompassing. They they're they're trying to say the same thing, but in like a little bit more um,
0: uh, no, yeah, human I'm, way. I was I think. thinking more about the choice and like the um the choice of what life in order to reach ascension like Uh, is that called something you know like christianity heaven and hell that's it man you get one life do it right afterwards you go to god or you go to hell and like that's that's associated with it so when your spirit's waiting what is that associated with and you get to choose like what is that if someone wanted to be a what would they call themselves for believing that
2: and again, I think that's a human construct to be able to need something to call yourself, to believe this. Oh. Like, I, I, why do you need to call yourself anything? I think re- religion is, is a human way of understanding what's going on in the spirit world. We get we create even like, I know one thing that I remember just made no sense to me. In Islam, it says that, like I don't even remember what it is, but like 4% of your income needs to go to charity in order for you to you know, you know, fulfill your, your, five pillars. And it was like, okay, where are these numbers coming from? And, <laughs> you know, and, and right. who said that what is 4%? Does math really exist in like the spirit world and what is income? Like not everybody, you know, there was a time people didn't have, you know, monetary income. Yeah. So it's like, these are human ways of defining and making people feel like, okay, I've checked off this box, right. but we don't need to explain things in human senses for you to feel like you're, you're you're doing what your spirit wants. Right.
0: So, And then while you're in the waiting room, because you had said like you get to decide and my head is like a video game dork in me is like, oh, level up. So I can go on like extra hard mode or I can go on easy mode. And maybe this life, I just want to learn two lessons. So I'm just going to really enjoy it. Um, but the next life, I want to learn 38 lessons. Like, am I thinking about it? the right way with that if you're looking at that, the tv that screens is, picking that a so life?
2: perfect yeah you you just hit the nail on the head like it is like a choice like okay how much am i ready like i want to skip like three levels with this next lifetime or am i God. gonna like cool it and just slow down and that does happen
0: man i like who chooses to come back as a sloth and just lay around all day. What are you learning, right? Like, like who, whose, whose past life was so bad that they are in that waiting room? They're like, you know what, man, I can't handle that. I can't, I can't, I can't go back to back like that. Let me, <laughs> let me just be this sloth and just take a little bit of a break.
2: I love that. Yeah, maybe I, I can volunteer to do that next
0: lifetime. <laughs> I don't think I would be so bored. I think you're dead on about the experiences, man. Just being enjoyable, you know, like that's. Um, I know it's something that I've been. I don't know if it's always been Corona like caused, maybe it has, and I'm just realizing it or whatever, but like the experience of doing, I guess, cause everybody does so much day to day. And when you get that taken away and you slow down, yeah, it's nice to slow down, but I almost feel like you're wasting experiences like whatever every half hour, every hour, if you can laugh, cry, be upset, feel great, you know, you're that's like what you should be doing with your life and just passing it with a, fourth day of Netflix binging seems so wasteful, you know?
2: Yeah. I mean, Netflix is totally okay too. There's those days, but yeah, four days plus or, you know, when it, when it becomes like just a crutch,
0: right. To avoid, to avoid the emotion. Mm -hmm.
2: And just feeling, feeling feels good. Even if you feel like shit, like embracing the feeling like shit and then moving on to the good feeling after that. Yeah. Right. Not not just numbing it or ignoring it.
0: So are you guided in this room? Like you're sitting there, and I will just to make it simple, you're looking at easy, medium, hard. You got your three TV screens. You're seeing what's played out. You like your spirit talking to yourself? Are are there like other spirits around that you can like ask questions and reflect with? You
2: mean like in this lifetime? So right
0: now? No, so the in-between. So I die, and now I'm picking my next life. Like am am I guided? Is my... if I'm part of the spirit, is the spirit that's a part of me also guiding me? Is there a right choice? Like, if, if, am I supposed to go medium, or can I make the wrong choice and set myself back a couple levels? Or is that just a rule follower and me worrying about stupid stuff?
2: <laughs> uh, so, you do have spirit guides who are there to, to kind of give you some support. Um, and there's like different, you know, like basically you're an entire tribe that you're a part of, like a cosmic neighborhood. And so when you go back to this afterlife, you, you reunite with these people and you're like, oh, my people, like, it's like a sense of this like, oh, oh I've belong. heard about like,
0: this. You're like back at them. Like a soul group. I think someone yes. else, Kylie had, um, someone else I'd had on the podcast, Kyleen was like breaking that down for me about like, you basically got a circle of like whatever, 10 people that in mm-hmm. all these lives, your spirits almost just gravitate towards and you just constantly encounter. And that's why you feel comfortable with them because you've been through stuff with them before.
2: Yep, like, those people that you just, like, kind of quickly become really close with, it just makes no sense. Okay. Um, they're likely a part of your your spirit family. And within that group, there are, like, um, more, like, higher mentors that, that exist in that group, and then they offer some support, and they'll, they'll show up for you in this lifetime, and also give you that support um, as far as deciding. But ultimately, it is your choice, like, even if you choose to set yourself back, like, through this lifetime that's still your choice they can help guide you but I I do believe in my opinion that you have that choice
0: and so then do you believe there's a right and a wrong choice or do you believe that every choice is just a choice
2: yeah I I don't believe that there's such thing as a wrong choice um really uh, yeah I, I can't see how you could really make a wrong choice because even the wrong choice like there's something to be learned. Like the, the, version of you that made that wrong choice needed to evolve. And that happens through making the wrong choice or quote unquote wrong choice.
0: Gosh, yeah. I think I'm just going to take that two second clip of yours and make that into something. Like, I don't believe there's a wrong choice.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I like that.
0: Like I love um, sometimes thinking about how stuff can be like taken out of context and then just completely <laughs> at just how much it affects, um, what overall is being said. Cause yeah. Right. Like, I mean, it, it's, a, well, I don't know actually, cause now I'm thinking about eating. Like if I'm hungry, I can definitely make like a lot of wrong choices on what I want to eat because then it affects my body in a very bad way. Um, but is that like the, is that kind of like an in inaccurate analogy to associate with you picking a life?
2: No, I, I hear what you're saying. So if you think about it, like, you making the wrong choice. Like imagine if somebody imagine if you always made the right choice but you were still kind of, I don't mean like saying the words right and wrong. So let's just say like you want to have the donut over and over again. Like oh, I just want the donut so bad. And um, but then you're working with like a trainer and the trainer's like no eat the salad eat the salad. And so you eat the salad just kind of like oh this sucks. I don't want to eat the salad the only way that you will choose the salad is if you get yourself like to the point of just sickness through the donuts. Like you need to suffer uh, through the donut to finally have the autonomy to be like, you know what? I'll fucking want a salad. And, and that's, that's your, that's your point of involvement. Like that's what I think that, so yeah, no, there is no wrong choice because you needed to make that choice to get to the right choice on your own,
0: man. You are dude, you are you're like a college professor, man geez. Yeah, man. I'm just, it's that I like how you can take my cluttered up thoughts and you just break them down in real simple analogies. Interesting. So like, how, is this what you were doing in Bali? Like you were just studying and learning this stuff so much more? Cause you just seem so well-versed in it.
2: Um, I was studying, learning. I feel like I don't ever really stop learning. Um, I'm still taking courses and reading, um, but also doing work with clients. So I learn so much by sitting one-on-one with somebody and like picking their brain and wondering why they're acting the way that they're acting or why they're hiding stuff from me. Um, uh, it's just such a cool mystery. Every time I, I have these calls and I learn so much from just people.
0: Hiding stuff from me. So when you're helping clients, I guess that's almost like that wrong choice, wrong choice. You got to go through the wrong to get right. So if they're like hiding or denying they're never going to feel fulfilled because they're not being truthful. Is that usually the route?
2: Um, well, I just think that like people hide certain things because they, they're not ready, but it's like, okay. Sometimes I can like see right through it. Like I know what's going on and I am trying to pull it out of somebody, but um, they're not ready to share it, but it's interesting. Okay. Why do you not feel safe to talk about this or want to avoid this or don't recognize that this is where, all the problems are rooted from. It's just interesting how from the outside we can see everything. But when you watch the person, it's like they're literally blind.
0: Man, that's and you think is that kind of a common thing for people who are um, seeking this help? Like there's almost like it's real easy, man. If if you would just blank, you're going to feel better (laughs) and it shouldn't be this hard for you. Like really, you're making it more difficult than it is. Um, or is it more, um, onion layered, uh, nuanced where it's like, all right, man, if we can deal with this, then we get to the next level, then we get to the next level, then you get it almost same thing as like that journey, right. Um, to, to ascend.
2: Yeah, no, it's definitely the second. So it's level by level and you can, with each session I have with somebody, you're discovering an unconscious unfolding another part of them
1: hmm.
2: um so it's not just like a one there's no one thing for anybody right. and and literally anyone even myself when i work with coaches and i'm sitting one-on-one i don't i don't know my own problems the way that somebody else on the outside can sometimes see that i um, mean i think that exists for all of us we have this we have an unconscious part of ourselves we have a subconscious brain so we don't see that but everybody else can and when you allow yourself the discomfort of being seen in that way, you just discover so much more about yourself.
0: So are you like an actual psychologist? Like when, um, with all this schooling, like, do you have a degree on the wall that says like doctor somewhere?
2: No, no. <laughs> I have a, I have my bachelor's in psychology
0: Okay. and that's
2: like a, another huge thing in my family because they're like, get your bachelor's, get your master's. There's such an identification with how can you do what you're doing until you, you do get this degree? How can you be of value?
0: Yeah, right. Because you're um, labeled. You're labeled a master, right? You're labeled a psychologist.
2: Yeah. and But I honestly feel like I've learned so, so much more outside of college than I did in college. I'm grateful for my degree, but I can't say that what I speak on now is so much to do with the courses that I've taken, the uh, mentors I've had, the books I've read. Outside of my four
0: years, 100%. So, and I don't know, I'm just thinking now like timeline wise. So if you were three years, you're identifying for, I guess, lack Uh of a better word, spiritually as a Muslim. And are you like slowly drifting during times of prayer where you're like having to fight your own mind to like pray? And is that what led you to finding more? Or how did that, I guess, yeah, how did that transition happen?
2: Um, yeah, that's that's a good point. So I did find that like when I was praying, it wasn't as much of a meditative experience. I was, so with the prayers, it also is the, the verses are said in Arabic and I don't speak any Arabic. Huh? <laughs> so I've, I've fully memorized them. I, I know all of them, but I don't know what it means. Um, and I don't know what I'm saying when I'm saying
0: it. So impersonal. Um, so impersonal.
2: Yeah. You just feel really disconnected. And so of course, like while I'm saying these verses, I'm literally thinking about like what I need to get from Trader Joe's and
0: you know, (laughs) if I
2: finish my assignment.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh shit. I forgot to proofread that. Fuck. Did I submit already?
2: (laughs) Yeah. It's like basically like a shower. All my shower thoughts were happening.
0: Right. That's a great way Um, to put it.
2: So it just, it didn't feel good anymore. And then I was just kind of being just more and more lost. Of course, we're approaching senior year and I still have no idea what I'm doing with my life. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's why I just felt like, you know what, this isn't giving me what I'm, I'm like showing up to this prayer mat and I'm getting nothing out of it. Something's not right.
0: And then, so then how do you come to this? Why not go, um, I don't know, like straight atheist. I think I was always like
2: agnostic. I was like, all right, I'm going to go through like a year of just like, well, I don't know what is, but but I know that there's something more. I'm not giving up on that. And then I remember when I, I quit my job I worked a corporate job for uh, about a year and a half and I, I quit and I went to Mexico, um, to just like, you know, live off the land, be Oregon a (laughs) hostel, just do that thing for a while. (laughs) And somebody, uh, handed me the book, a new earth and that literally changed my life that that is to to now my quran my bible my torah my everything i, I that book woke me up
0: a new earth why what um i've never heard of it
2: oh my gosh i love it you should definitely definitely read it um it's basically just it talks about consciousness and um the so the author Eckhart Tolle In the very beginning, he talks about how he was wanting to kill himself. And um, in the moment that he's about to do it, he's thinking, like, I can't stand myself. And that phrase, like, stopped him. He's like, am I me? Am I I or myself? You know, the phrase of I can't stand myself. It's like the separation between I and myself. And like, wait, which one am I? And then the whole book kind of, like, talks about, like, this concept of the ego, this, this mind-made-up being that basically just forces us to live in, in a certain way and, and just creates this this inner bully. And um, so, yeah, I that book just kind of completely woke me up to, like, what is consciousness, what is this life, and how can I experience spirituality for myself? Like, it became the study of, of me oh. from there on.
0: So it almost goes with a little bit of a premise that we tend to, is it more of a conflicted or a negativity that's like internal within us that kind of eats us up?
2: Um, it's a little bit of both, I think, because it's like the ego mind is constantly looking for ways to keep you right here and comfortable and safe and you know, make sure everybody likes you. You just want to be liked and included, Hmm. but that doesn't necessarily mean that that is authentic and true and, and real for you. So it's just this constant battle. And it's not always negative. Sometimes your ego can encourage you to be a nice person and just be like a good, polite little Muslim girl. That, that could have been (laughs) my ego. Nothing wrong with that, but that's, that wasn't right for me. I didn't want to be that. So it's both conflicting and can be positive and can be negative
0: you and so man that spoke to you and that happened to you in Mexico while you're working on a hostel
2: yeah I quit my job um, to travel so before that I went to Thailand and Bali just like on a trip like okay I'm gonna take a break and and leave this life for a little bit and then I'll go back to work um, but I didn't go back to work I went to Mexico after that and I worked in a hostel for a few months and that was just like such an eye-opening experience but I was so just uh, drilled into the corporate world, and you know, working my job and um, getting promoted, and it was just like none of this shit matters. Like <laughs> I just want to enjoy my life. People are happy so much less. Why am I so unhappy? Mm. And even though I had, you know, presumably everything I'd been working for.
0: What was the corporate job?
2: I worked in sales, so it was like high profile, like uh, high ticket sales, and I got promoted to. A management position, and of course within sales and within the corporate world, there can be a little bit of. um And I, I think there's like just inequality with how men and women are perceived and potentially treated. And this is, of course, my experience. People have great experiences as well, but I had a um, a client who just was so creepy, and I <laughs> could not. I was like, I can't work with this guy. Like he almost tried to kiss me on. Um, my first ever like professional outing, like we had like, you know, we were going out to like uh, lunch and I was like, wow, this is great. I've gotten him to this level and he's like the CEO of the company. And I was like, I don't want to be in this kind of environment yeah. where I feel uncomfortable. And so
0: Harvey Weinstein type I'm like, of I'm shit, out man. Of
2: here.
0: Yeah. I, I just, it goes to, and that, that's so true. Cause um, I'm a white male and you know, if anything, we're learning, you just, you're pretty well off in America as a white male. Um, it's, it's a winning lottery ticket for most people. And, um, I, I think back to that Harvey Weinstein stuff and like the, the actresses having to go to his room and just fucking go through all that with that disgusting man, just to like find their success, you know, cause he had that kind of power over him. Um, dude, yeah, you had to be pretty young in this job, right? If I'm putting like timelines together, like mid twenties,
2: yeah, it was like right after college, like within uh, one week of graduating, I started this job.
0: Yeah. So no wonder And this dude's just preying on you, huh? That would Yeah, and it,
2: it was just my first experience with this kind of stuff. And I, I didn't get it. I was like, this
0: is just, is this what I would
2: have been working for? Like, this is what I went to college for? Like, this can't be it.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah, no, that's, that's funny, man. I wonder how many people do get to feel trapped in those jobs because they've invested four years of college, they've, they've, whatever, they have the student loan, they got to make the money and then they just got to deal with it. Like what, no wonder you're so unfulfilled and unhappy if you're not, if you're feeling trapped like that, you know?
2: Yeah. And that you're so right. You know, once you have that investment, you're like, well, am I really going to just let it all go? Yeah. So I'm happy that I, I found it within me and I had friends who are traveling that we're just like let's just go let's just go um so i'm i'm grateful for that cuz that changed the rest of my life
0: yeah and who gave you the book that was the other thing i was thinking about so who did you come across the book in like a thrift store <laughs> did somebody like see you with a frowny face and was like girl you need to read this
2: <laughs> no just one of uh, my hostel mates gave it to me um we just were working in the hostel together so and, and everybody in, it was like a very like hippie town and people were, um, yeah, just kind of like spiritual without like trying to be, um, just kind of like naturally people connected with
1: right. just
2: the earth and this life. And, um, that's honestly why I love living in beach towns. Like I feel like the surf culture, it has like this essence of spirituality without, um, without any kind of real doctrine.
0: That's a great, yeah, I've noticed that too, man. They, um, you almost have to, if like, you're getting up at like four in the morning and you're just constantly experiencing the ebb and flow of ocean and the sun and the clouds and the environment, you know, it's not like you're walking on concrete every day in a steel building, you know, you're, you're actually with nature.
2: Yeah. It changes you. It so does. Yeah.
0: I think, do you think you could get, cause you said you lived in Denver. Like what about like the wilderness campers, mountain people? I mean, I, I, I've never been one, it doesn't appeal to me at all, but like, I would imagine it has to be so similar for them.
2: Yeah. I, I can't say I had a ton of like wilderness friends in Denver. I mean, I lived in downtown, like right in downtown. Um, so, and that was a tough year for me, I think, because I was still like figuring out more of like myself and my business. So I don't think I had enough connection with the wilderness, like the mountain life. And I honestly do not do cold.
1: You're right. Like, I am <laughs> such a
2: whimp. Like I, I, the snow is like cute for a little bit. And <laughs> after a while, I'm like, I am beyond done with this cold weather. Um, yeah. So I didn't feel that connected. And I wish I had, but it just wasn't for me.
0: What got you to Denver?
2: That was one of those I mean, I moved there without even visiting. Like I had a friend what? there and he was like, Yeah, you will probably like <laughs> it. And I literally just got a job and moved there. Like <laughs> so there was nothing and he, I didn't even see my apartment. Like I moved in with one of my friends and he went and like saw the apartment before and, and space time me and like, Yep, sounds good. Um Sheepers. Yeah, it was just like I had finished traveling and I didn't want to stay in San Francisco anymore. So I'm like, I need a change and this will be cool.
0: Why not want to stay in San Francisco?
2: Um, I think I really associated San Francisco with that that dark time in my life and that corporate job and all oh, um, man so and that, I, yeah, it just wasn't for me.
0: No, no, I, and I didn't mean to cut you off, man. I'm sorry, but I, it's and I don't want to understate it, but it's amazing to me that that one that that guy crossing the boundary trying to kiss you had like that deep of an impact in your life not to belittle it or anything, but I'm just thinking back like, wow, dude, that that's a powerful moment for you.
2: Yeah. I actually hadn't put that together until very recently, actually, that this, this is like, it it was actually my very first time that I had gotten to that level. So we had like three levels that we get clients to. And I was like, so proud. And it was like shot the very first day that I had gotten to that level. And it wasn't even like, yeah, I almost am grateful for it because I didn't get attached to the job. I didn't last to the point where I could look past it. It was so early on that I'm like, whoa, this is this is a big deal. I'm not going to just ignore it.
0: So did you – so my man comes in. I shouldn't say my man because he's an ass. He's a dick. Um, <laughs> so this guy like leans in and do you put the hand up? Do you slap him? Do you like brush the cheek? Do you step back and say, sir, what are you doing? Like how, how did you handle it?
2: Oh my gosh! Yeah, I, so I just like turned my cheek, and he ended up kissing me in the cheek, which is like just so painful. <laughs> like this is mind you, like much much older man. Yeah, I was like about to say and sixty,
0: he, and he has a mustache, right? <laughs> Tell me, he has one of those creepy mustaches.
2: <laughs> I don't remember being a mustache. I think I blocked that part out. Um,
1: God, in his yeah, this 60s. Is, he's
2: like in his sixties. Like he really should be retiring. Um, and yeah, it was like a cheek, and then I was just like so in shock. It's like okay, I'm I'm gonna go. Bye. And I remember sitting in the Uber home, and I just cried, like bawling, crying. Like oh my god, I just felt so like ew. Like, this is what I do for work. Like I don't I don't want this to like not be taken seriously as a professional. And um, so yeah, I I I think I really a lot of me blocked that out as. Not wanting to be the reason why I left, but it was a huge instigator. Man.
0: Did, was part of it too? Are you thinking like, oh my God, did my boss promote me just because, generalized, like, oh, I'm a young, hot girl that all these old guys are going to hit on? Like, is that why I got the job? Not because I'm good? Did your mind go there?
2: Yeah, a little bit. I think my mind went there towards the company in general. Like, oh, is this what they do? Like, um,
0: misogynistic fucks.
2: <laughs> yeah, and and then and then I really just felt like this is just the industry. Like, this is sales. Like, this is how it is. And I I know it's not like that for everybody, but
0: right.
2: um, yeah, I just I had all these assumptions that suddenly started becoming just like beliefs of mine.
0: Yeah, no wonder you wanted to get out, man. I can't I can't believe you cried over that again. I'm not trying to belittle it. But I'm just, I'm, I'm to understand like the impact, the, the crushingness, the weight of it. Like, wow. What did you tell your boss? Did you go to your boss and say, look, man, this motherfucker was hitting on me. Um, I'm out. Like do something about it. Or you just kept it all professional and gave your two weeks and um, traveled or you made up a lie. You said you had a sick relative that you had to go visit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, well, okay. Here's what actually happened. Like, so I did tell my <laughs> boss. And it wasn't very well received. And I think that's what w- really set me ah. off that it, it, I wasn't. Yeah. It, it was almost like this happened. That was kind of the response that I yeah. got.
0: Do your and job. It, take the kiss. Yeah. She's like, yeah. well,
2: you know, this person, this happened and this person, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This is not the response that I wanted oh my um, God. because it was a very, very big client. Like it was my top clients. I could not let this relationship go. Right. And this was like the top of the company. Um, Anyway, so I, I I knew in the back of my mind, I'm like, all right, cool. Like, I'll remember this, ma'am. Um, and I just, from there on, I knew I was leaving. So I kind of started, like, saving up a bunch of money. Like, did my job for the bare minimum, saved my money, and then I, I quit. Um, and then known to travel. So I had bought my flight, actually, a couple months later <laughs> to go to Thailand and, and Bali. Um, so it probably was, like, six months of me being in the job with – with
0: knowing that I was going to leave. Wow. And so the boss, your supervisor, was a female? Yes. Oh, dude. See, that to me is, I didn't expect that. That had to be a little weird, her not being supportive of you as a female being put in that position. Or no, am I I being gender biased?
2: Sorry?
0: (laughs) I said, or am I now being like reverse gender bias, assuming that a female would be more caring than a male boss, you know?
2: No, that's so true. You would think that. And I think that's why it made it so much worse was it wasn't like, oh, she doesn't get it because she's never experienced it. It was, oh, she does get it. And yeah. this is still the way it is. Yeah. That's that's what made it like, whoa, okay. This is not okay.
0: It's just about the money, right? It's just about the quota or the commission or the percent or whatever at that point. What a heartless. No wonder people hate businesses, man. They're just so fucking heartless at times. <laughs>
2: Yeah, money, money really brings out the worst sometimes in people.
0: Man, six months, dude. I didn't think anybody could save any money out in San Francisco. I heard everything's just so expensive. How are you saving money? In that is San so Francisco? true. I know.
2: I I was. I don't know how I did it. I would just kind of like stash away anything I could and um, eat eat on the company dollar quite often. Nice. <laughs> like all my lunches are paid for by them. Like snacks, breakfast, like. They
0: were all on the company. Gotcha. the perks. What, what do they call that? Um, the the cash money that you get to spend on your discretion.
2: Uh, I don't, I don't know. Oh
0: God, I've seen it in a, I've never experienced it, but I've seen it. Petty cash. So it's like uh, you get like a thousand dollars petty cash and you just drop the receipts and some secretary like take cares of it, takes care of it. Yeah, yeah,
2: that's know? kind of how it was. But there wasn't even a limit. We didn't have like a a, a limit on monthly spending. I don't think. God. That's and nice. I would like, tip really nicely too because it wasn't my money and I'd like, be more than happy to give away this company's money.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, so you're just like, it's almost like the, um, like the ex, no, it's probably a bad analogy. But like when your ex just wants to almost ruin your life so they're like purposefully flirting and enjoying the company of others in front of you, you're just like <laughs> flaunting this money being like, I hate this company. Here you go. And you're being extra nice to all these people on their dime. That's awesome.
2: Oh yeah. Yep. That was me. I, I would get like snacks for everybody like anytime I could. So my team loved me.
0: <laughs> I bet. Did you, did you ever worry about karma? Like going at it with like a improper spirit being angry that way, or you weren't there yet?
2: No, I don't think I was at that level of awareness. And yeah. I don't know. I don't even know if it, if I believe that there would be karma there because I still, like, I remember till the very end, I had so much respect and, um, value for the clients that I did have. And I wrote them all letters and I didn't, knowing that I was leaving, I still did everything I could till the end for the people there. Gotcha. Um, so I, I left feeling good about that.
0: And was that the one incident or did it happen a couple more times? Cause I didn't expect you to, um, I didn't expect you would be there for six months after that to save up.
2: So yeah, that was the one incident from then on I ended up taking, so I had, um, like a recruiter that worked with me and he was a male. And so I took him anytime I had to go see this creepy client. Uh, um, okay. so that, that helped. And from then on, I didn't experience anything, but it was enough to be like, this is just not the value that I, I support. And I want yeah. to, you know, be bringing an in income for this kind of business.
0: Right. Did you tell the recruiter or was that like one of those weird elephant in the room things where he's just getting like the tag along? He's your plus one for all these things in my mind and he doesn't know why?
2: No, he knew. I, I was super open and honest.
0: Gotcha. Good for him. Yeah, I'll call him my man. Good for him doing the right yeah. thing. You know, because man, I, I, and it's funny, dude, I, you don't, so I'm a school teacher and I don't think that happens very often. Like, I don't know if school teachers have to be subjected to that to get those kind of jobs because I. I don't know, maybe they just don't pay well enough <laughs> that people are like it's worth it but that corporate culture um man that dude that, what talk about another layer of something you shouldn't have to worry about um that has to be worried about you know it it's it's amazing to me
2: yeah i mean it, it exists and it's not done we're not done dealing with it um you know like with the me too movement like that happened and then it faded and i hope that you know, as Black Lives Matter is happening, this, this lasts. And I think everything will continue to come to light and it will last. I I so believe this 2020 is a year where, where things will change and all this stuff that like was a hype and and faded will come back again and it will be officially, um, mended.
0: Yeah. And that's, uh, it's, and I always say it's funny and it's not funny, but I guess that's like my stall word as I'm getting Mm -hmm. my thoughts but as an educator we've had a lot of um l and i always mess up the acronyms lgbtq mm-hmm. training because for kids again that dark place where they if they're coming out or if they're going to identify doesn't match with what their family is they feel lonely man they feel isolated you know they'll they'll run away they'll commit suicide like the numbers the percentages are like heartbreaking so we get a lot of training of, or even not Training might be the wrong word exposure to help us understand. Cause so many of us haven't been through it and it just went away. Corona came and it goes away, yeah. but the people haven't gone away. The people who are going through that are still experiencing it, but it's so easy to forget about those things. Me too. Like you were saying where something else pops up and then it can just deflate it almost like a balloon. Like it just pops that balloon and you have to start blowing up that balloon again to get the attention it needs it's um yeah i really do with the black lives matter um and like gay pride month like they seem to latch on to each other and support each other very well from what i saw as far as exposure and awareness i was uh, Mm -hmm. i was glad to see that
2: yeah i feel like the community i think the um yeah, the LGBTQ community is, is really strong. I think it's very admirable how much they speak up and stick together and, and, and they're seen. I, I love yeah. that, you know, you you notice that Pride Month is just, I, I feel it. You can feel Pride Month differently than um, than any other movement. I think because it comes from a place of love. There's just so much love in what they're saying and they're, they're, they're sharing love and choosing love. And that's why that movement just, like, it sticks. I think that that's one of, of all of them that has really just for me, at least I've, I felt connected to because I've always felt like they, they they've come at it in, in such a beautiful way.
0: Yeah. The, the acceptance, um, focusing on the acceptance and the love it's, it's, it's funny cause the conversation that we're having almost, um, spirals. Cause if you take that again to the religion of like, why does the religion have to go so heavy on the fear, not the acceptance and love thing movements that do the same thing tend to gain the most traction, right? Tend to have the most strength, tend to get the most followers because who doesn't want to be a part of something that's involving love that's involving hope, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, it's nice. It's nice that the Corona has at least given people the time to research, learn listen and be aware of, um, just how fucked up so much was. And like it got covered up because America's pretty prosperous. <laughs> you know? Like life's pretty good. So everybody's like, life's pretty good. Huh? We don't have to worry too much. Uh, it's not that bad. And then you're like, no, 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 It's pretty bad. It can be very bad.
2: Yeah. They've been good at hiding. Right. <laughs> Keeping us
0: quiet. Yeah. Well, because most of the people in charge are decision makers or like that 60 year old creep. With the Manhattan breath, you know, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like he, he gets the people like them get to decide what's seen and what's publicized. And it's so hard. And that's the beauty of, you know, Internet, social media and whatnot, like camera phones. People can post and people can have platforms now that um don't have editors, that don't have boards that have to approve them. They get to get their message out and what they've been throughout. It's um it's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's, it's the
2: re- people's revolution. That's what I think is happening. Like the people are finally having a voice and a say, and they get to tell their story from their perspective, right. not have their story be retold Yeah, um, which is really powerful.
0: Yeah. Have you ever thought about that? Cause I've always thought about this when like, even if you went on 60 minutes or Barbara Walters or whatever, like they record so much footage and then it gets put into what, like a five minute clip at the most that's consecutive, but probably not even five straight minutes of talk. You know, and they call it like a full hour interview, but they really only put up like 20 minutes total of content.
1: Mm -hmm. And it
0: just seems so misrepresentative of the person who gave up like two, three hours of their time and put themselves out there. And then I'm going to let some editor and some publisher decide what part of me gets put out there. That always struck me as weird, man
2: yeah i mean i i love that you have this this style of podcast honestly that we just kind of go with the flow and see what comes and just keep it really fluid i think that is authentic um i i just think editing like, even if you mess up whatever let, let yourself mess up and let yourself stumble and you say things that don't make sense i think that's real and that makes us feel more connected but we live in a world where everything is perfectly simulated that yeah that's why we don't feel like we're the same people.
0: Yeah. And if, and if you judge yourself, it's almost like a, that Barbie mentality of like, if you judge yourself by perfection, you're not going to be, you're you're going to feel like you're always not good enough.
1: Mm-hmm. So like if
0: you're seeing all these pre-packaged and super edited, almost like pictures with filters and stuff, you're like, it's it's not real. It's not real. And it's good to be exposed to real because then it makes you feel better about yourself. You're like, okay, yeah. Everyone else does screw up too. It's nice. <laughs> it's not the worst. Yeah.
2: And, and that's why we don't always feel like, you know, with, with I think what was interesting about the black lives matter movement is that we're calling people out for not being able to empathize. Like you cannot feel this because you don't, you are different from me. Wow. And um, that's obviously like a more extreme example, but with the way that the world looks and the perfection that we have, we don't feel like we look the same or we we don't see ourselves as other people. So that's why we feel so disconnected from them and their problems. Like, all right, they can just deal with that. That's their life. That has nothing to do with me. Yeah. But it should. We, we should care about our neighbors and our coworkers and people around us that we engage with. This is our tribe of people, our mini tribe. Right. Well, why should we not care? Why is their pain not something that is of my interest and something that I should, should, should feel like? Right. I should feel, I should just feel yeah.
0: that. Yeah. And it's, it's funny. And I didn't think I did this, but then um, when I'm reflecting, I'm like, maybe I did almost like victim blaming of sorts of like, like, so if that guy went to kiss you, like go into you and being like, well, why'd you wear that skirt? You know, or go into a yeah. black lives move and go like, well, why don't you just work harder? And like, it can be easy to fall into that trap until you actually personally know someone, experience it for them. And then you start to feel it and you're like, no, dude, that's that. It's no way your fault. Like you shouldn't have to feel fear of a cop (laughs) when they pull you over. You shouldn't have to feel fear of a 60 year old man when you take them out to lunch, like it just should not be, but it's so easy to dismiss people until you actually get to know them and you get an emotional connection with them to understand like, wow, that was, that was painful. You know, like, again, I, I'm just blown away that that one thing can make you want to leave a job and a freaking area like that's like not to belittle it, but that is amazing to me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's fucking painful. It's not right. Like you shouldn't have to feel that way.
2: Yeah. We, we just feel disconnected. That's, that's so true. We need yeah. to get to know each other. Like what is that thing that makes you tick? Yeah. Um, and when you feel that with somebody else, then you can see like, wait, I, I have that too. I have that in this way or I have this fear. Then we feel like we can empathize even though we look different at our core, like we all hurt and we all feel deeply right. and we can, we can come together off of that. We don't need to come together off just our stories, but just our, the depth of what we feel that can be right? our commonality.
0: Yeah. So inside out is a great movie. <laughs> have you ever seen inside out?
2: Oh my gosh. My favorite movie. I nice. love it. <laughs> all
0: right. So it, cause when you said that our emotions, I'm wondering like, do you have a set number of emotions that you believe people like a universal emotions like anger or fear or love? Like, are there five like inside out would have you believe?
2: Um, so in order to be like emotionally intelligent, the way that they categorize it is that you should be able to identify up to 30 different emotions within yourself. What? Yeah. That's like an emotionally intelligent person, but most people only know like five. (laughs) So Yeah, we do have, we do have a range of emotions that we feel. And I think it's, it's all about being embodied. Like where do you notice certain tensions and physical sensations and triggers that that's the thing. So much of us are disconnected from what's going on in our body and don't have the awareness and that we don't, we have a very small meter for, for feeling.
0: So like, is there a difference between anger and upset or would, so do I know two emotions when I say anger and upset, or is that one?
2: (laughs) Well, what does that mean to you? Like if you ask yourself, like, what does anger feel like in my body?
0: Oh yeah. Like you want to hit something, you know? Okay.
2: What is, and then what does upset feel like in your body?
0: I'm just going to say something stupid to try to, yeah, to like get it out. So instead of like physically exerting myself, I can feel better if I just, whatever, make a smart ass comment or say something back to you, you know? Mm. Um, but I feel like it goes on the same, it's just like a different level of the same, it's a different scale on the same, what would be the analogy? I was really trying. It's a different number on the thermometer, but it's the same thermometer.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I get what you're saying.
0: You know, Um, but then I wonder like, so, but that's what I try to differentiate. So is it the react? So the trigger and the reaction are how we associate or differentiate emotions. I've never explored this before. I'm just thinking out loud, you know?
2: Yeah. So by just the triggers and noticing like, okay, this leads me to feel like tension in my chest. Like I feel this tightness in my chest. I want to feel this tightness in my chest. I have this impulse to do blank. So figuring out what these patterns are for you so that you become more conscious of your behavior. So this is why like when somebody like just starts getting into like a rampant fighting violence mode, um, it's this disconnect from, What's going on in their body? They're not able to detect the anger until they're in the point of actually hitting somebody. So you, it's like the intention is to notice, like, "Whoa, I, I feel myself veering in this direction, and now I'm going deeper into it. And now, now I'm in my anger. Now, what will I do?" Hmm. So it's truly just awareness,
0: right? I've never considered it because now I'm again. I'm just I don't know how interesting this is, but I'm just thinking out loud about like are there 30 different emotions? That seems so high, man. I like, I really want to go with those core, the core five. And I even remember thinking about that during the movie inside out. Like, did they miss an emotion? You know, like I felt like they did. I felt like the majority of them were negative. And I was like, aren't there more positive emotions?
2: What did you feel like was missing?
0: That I couldn't come up with it. That's what I'm saying. So when you have anger, when you have fear, When you have depression, you add happiness and you add sadness or which not, I think depression and sadness were the same thing. Which Mm -hmm. one am I missing right now? Anger, fear. Now I got to Google it.
2: Yeah. Anger, fear, disgust, disgust, sadness, and joy.
0: Joy. So yeah. So, right. So I hear those and I'm like four to one, four negative, one positive. And immediately I was like, that can't be right. Like, isn't yeah. contentness, like, isn't just like a blase feeling of content? Wouldn't that be an emotion that should be in there? Like, the so called slacker who's just happy with chilling, the sloth. <laughs> uh,
2: but why is that not joy, though?
0: Ah. Well, because I'm trying to come, I'm trying to get to the number of 30, and <laughs> I'm stuck so, at those five. Yeah, within,
2: within the 30, you don't need to have like that. It, it is quite, it is within these, these different, um, categories. So you will find that they do, they do kind of all fit into these five main categories, but yeah, there's like degrees to within each of them that, yeah. that it's good to identify.
0: Yeah. And that's how you get to the 30 down, huh?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, th- but I mean, they're not, they're not exactly all negative. Like outside of joy, do you see the others as all negative?
0: If I, if I went black, white, yeah, if I had two piles, positive and negative, and I'm putting these away, joy is the only one that's going positive. Like anger, fear, sadness. Yeah, nah, I'm. I, I don't. I don't want those.
2: Yeah, so that's that's interesting because, and this is another one of those like, oh, you know, there's no such thing as a wrong answer. I don't think there's such thing as a negative emotion. Uh, um, there's just uh... negative responses to these emotions. Um, you can't have like in, in the whole movie like but the end of the movie is you cannot have the joy unless you allow and welcome and, and honor the sadness or the anger within you right. or or pay attention to what the disgust is telling you and what the fear is avoiding all of that leads us to the joy but yeah. just living operating on joy is impossible
0: yeah right and you know what i just um, I feel like, by the way, I'm stealing a free session with you. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I, I went to go thinking. So if I categorize joy as positive and the others as negative, then I almost went to like, well, what if I did that for food and like food would be all the sweets that would be terrible. And then like the anger, fear, disgust, sadness, the the so-called negatives would be like the healthy eating, you know? And mm-hmm. like, so yeah, you're right. You, you gotta, there are they there they shouldn't be separated, positive and negative. They are, they're just emotions that are needed.
2: Yeah. We have to, we have to feel everything like anger. It's like we kind of move through these like four stages of emotion and um, it starts off with like water where you're just kind of complacent. You're maybe depressed. You're just hopeless existing. You just feel like there's no, no direction then the only way to get out of this water, this depressive state, is to move into fire, which is uh, anger and like fury and like standing up and, and just being so present and in your voice. But um, it takes that anger to give you the momentum to get out of the sadness and to get out of the hurt and to mm. get out of the helplessness. Hmm. But after you finish feeling all the anger and allowing that to leave your body, then you can come back down to earth. And then you can ground yourself into, okay, what does this mean for me? And what is this lesson? And and how can I make this a unique transformation for myself? And then the last one is air where, you know, you've understood everything and now you've really zoomed out and seen the bigger picture and you get why this experience happened to you and how it led ultimately to healing somebody else and fulfilling your purpose and leading you to exactly where you're meant to be in this lifetime. Um, so being able to pull yourself out of everything, but it, you have to move through it all to get there.
0: Right. I've never heard of the, uh, elements broken down like that. in like that kind of a spiritual way.
2: Mm-hmm. I like that. I yeah. just, it's something I, 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 share a lot with my clients and I have them do like sessions like, okay, for the next like 10 minutes on your own, like when you go home, uh, just get angry, <laughs> yell, scream, punch your pillow cuss like whatever you need to do you need to get angry because it's trapped inside of you why are you hating on your anger wait that's why you're
0: stuck you say cuss not curse Why? why Uh, yes
2: yeah i guess I say cuss is there a difference
0: oh well no it's a dialect thing and i can't remember where it's from but like i i didn't expect you to say cussing i feel like that's a southern thing i feel like curse is um maybe that's a little east coast bias
2: I didn't know it was a southern thing. I, I feel like I know people that say cuss, but like, and now, now I actually don't know. Now I have to like <laughs>
0: reevaluate. <laughs> yeah, right. Be be aware of it the next time you hear a couple of people talk because it it is it's one of those things. Um, like have you ever um, and I can't say the word because then it'll um bias you, but you'll know what word I'm talking about. So you know what smoke comes out. What's what does smoke go out of when you start a fire in your home?
2: chimney say it again a chimney
0: okay so you go chimney which is the right way so like i believe another thing is like chimney is like how people (laughs) can say it no all right so it little stuff like that you can um i don't know like re it's regional dialect i just didn't expect you to be a cusser i expected you to be a cursor if that (laughs) makes sense
2: Yeah, I wonder what California is now. Now now I'm really curious.
0: Yeah, well, do you identify? Like, would you call yourself a Cal... You've friggin' been everywhere, dude. (laughs)
2: Yeah.
0: Do you identify Californian? Californian? Really?
2: Totally. Well, I I just said totally. I think that was like such a... (laughs) a, 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 The subconscious need to prove myself as a Californian. (laughs) Like, yeah, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I I love it here. I I will always love it here, and... I went to college here. I've lived in all parts of California. And I, yeah, I value this place so, so much, even though it's freaking expensive. um, Yeah, this is where my family is and I love it.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I've never never been in part of me. I feel like I don't ever want to go because everyone who talks about it The only negative thing they can really say is, well, I guess two things, depending on where you live, like traffic sometimes can be absolutely horrible Mm -hmm. and the cost of living is just absolutely insane. But yeah, you you balance that with like, dude, don't you want to wake up every day? And it'd be like, I don't know, 85 degrees, like really nice (laughs) weather. Like, don't you want that? (laughs) And you're like, yeah, I kind of do. I think it would be, yeah, beautiful. you were
2: saying it, it was raining for yesterday. I'm like, where do you live?
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It hasn't
2: rained here in a while.
0: Exactly. And yet it's so like lush. That's so weird to me, right? Like yeah. it's bountiful there. Are, you think of vineyards you're like, how does it never rain in these vineyards produce all this great wine? I don't get it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I can't, uh, I can't be humble here. We, we do have a good.
0: <laughs> right? And so then how did you get to Denver? I, I care. I know you said you went there for a year, sight on scene. But like, what was the choice of Denver to get away when you went away?
2: Um, one of like so one of my best friends from San Francisco um, moved there, and I honestly think that was just kind of it. I had no preference on anywhere in the U.S. I was just so like, because I but up until then I was living in Costa Rica, so I was there for about six months.
0: Oh Jesus! And there's another place. God, God love you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Um, I was like, I don't know. There's just nowhere that like was exciting me, and I was like, well, this sounds cool. Like, I know somebody there; it'll be fun and something different. Uh, and I was in the in the mood for change. Like, I had moved around a lot that year, and I was still not like settled anywhere. So the the idea of being somewhere totally new was was fine.
0: Dude, how good are you at like packing a bag with all these trips? Like, can you get packed in twenty minutes and you remember everything and it's no sweat?
2: Um, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely forget things, but no, I, I'm pretty good at packing. I, I would say I'm very efficient
0: at packing. Right? I, don't, I don't overpack. I was going to say, dude, you have to, and that's like almost one of the perks of being nomadic is it just really prioritizes what's important. And you realize how quickly, like all this extra shit that you just don't really need that you schlep around with you and just slows you down.
2: Yeah. Stuff. We just are addicted to stuff.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. So are you up on that minimalist? Cause I'm kind of getting to that point where like stuff owns you, you don't own stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I emptied out my closet, um, just like a couple of days ago actually. And it's like, why do I, some stuff, like, I must say I like, ha- have to hang on to it. Like my college pizza shirt, like the pizza place that I we went to in college. Like <laughs> I can't seem to throw that away and right. I don't need it, but it's stuff like that, that I keep collecting. <laughs> that has like sentimental value. Right. I do need to get rid
0: of more stuff. Yeah, man. With Corona, it's amazing. So I'm a I'm a teacher and I'm a shirt tie kind of a guy, right? So I like wearing a tie. I feel it sets like a tone of business, whatever. Um, Like have not worn. I don't think I've worn a button shirt since Corona happened. It's been like four months. And I own like 50 button up shirts. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I've, I've been <laughs> the same size. So like you get a couple for Christmas, you know, it's the easy gift for people who like don't really know you. They're like, oh great teaching shirt. So I got a yeah. bunch of button ups, man. And I'm like, they're just sitting on hangers. I'm like, I should just burn them all. Why can't, why can't I go to school and teach in basketball shorts and a t-shirt? Why not?
2: <laughs> would you still feel like a teacher? Like, would you feel good? No, that?
0: no, I wouldn't. That's the thing. Like I identify. And I feel like it's part of like the authority that you get. It's, it sets a tone. I feel like it's too chummy and you can almost be seen as like, or perceived as like you're ignorant. You don't know what you're doing. But then at the same time, like, isn't it the ultimate, wouldn't that be the ultimate like boss confidence move of, I don't need a tire to set the tone for me because I am my own tone setter. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know. I still want to try it. I just want to next year. I just want to go flip flops, basketball shorts and a t-shirt. And I teach reading. Like if I was a gym teacher, it wouldn't be a big deal, but I teach reading, you know, and like just roll around till like November in my Sanuk's.
2: What grade do you teach?
0: Middle school. So it's okay. sixth, seventh, eighth grade.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I wonder how like easy it is to like they're kind of like on the brink of you know, still a child but about to mold in yeah. their experiences in high in high school. Yeah. Um I don't know, it's almost a kind of like kinda like self driving cars. It doesn't work, I feel like, until everybody else is on board <laughs> with it. You know, if, if you're just the one guy in a self-driving car, it could be dangerous. Like, people might not vibe. They might not flow with the rest of traffic. Right. Um. So, yeah, it's hard to say, like, if people would receive that well, and like, you know, yeah, go Sean. Like, I'm Mr. O'Grady. <laughs> like,
0: exactly. Like, look at that trendsetter. Um, yeah. Because it's funny, like, I, there's no, like, professional um, attire. I think it's very discreet. Like, the rules are written, like, I think just like that, like professional attire.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: like you have jeans and hoodie days and like, I've never been a jean and hoodie guy. Like I just can't bring myself to wear jeans and then tell kids like teach kids, you know, explain things to them. I feel like it's so informal, but then I get on these zooms with kids during Corona and I'm in like cut off shirts and a backwards hat. Cause I hadn't showered and, and like, I feel perfectly fine with it. I feel perfectly Mm -hmm. just, and it's odd how the environment like dictates how you're going to dress, what you're going to wear, how you're going to act. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I know. It's so much of that is also unconscious. Like we don't know like to what degree your first job, imprinted on you or your family or your your oh, your own upbringing dude that's you know, that so... all creates this like barrier for like this is how it is like when i'm in this place this is what i'm supposed to do yeah um, that's why it's so important like to not be uh you know they say don't do your homework in your bedroom because your mind has already associated that as like the sleeping area and the relaxing
0: area right
2: and if you do it there then you're gonna have this like inconsistency
0: It's a Skinnerian thing. I was talking to um, a professor. Dude, this lady named Emmy. She was um, actually she was she's from the Philippines and um, moved to London. She graduated high school when she was 15. She was about to go pre-med at 19. Like one of those just amazingly smart people. And um, she's huge into Skinner. And she like she she's um, against free will. She's like, there is no free will if you think you're making a choice, the environment has conditioned you to make that choice. Almost like what you were saying right there. And like the way she was explaining it, I like, I think I converted. I think right there I became a Skinnerian.
2: I like that. That is really cool.
0: Yeah. And, but I, I think there's a huge truth to that because you get reinforcement, right? Positive or negative. You get reinforcement Mm -hmm. from the environment that shapes your behavior. And it's so hard to consider yourself free because you have so much in your past and like, think like your formative years. Do you remember anything before you were four years old? <laughs> right. But you're like totally getting shaped by your parents or by your environment's reaction to ba baba, gaga, go. right? Like you learn, this is bad. This is great. Oh, this makes people laugh. And it's just total reinforcement.
2: Yeah, but I, I still do think that there is a potential to have choice once you have the awareness of your behavior. Like, I, I don't, I guess I don't want to believe, I don't want to believe that I have no free will. I, I would like to believe that even if that's an illusion, it's almost more fun, I guess, to have the illusion that there is free will. But you, yeah, I so get that. We just need to have the awareness of, okay, this is my background and this is, I'm more likely to, I
0: have a tendency to do this. Right, yeah. It's the, um... I was going to say like little idiosyncrasies that just make Mm -hmm. you what you are because of what you've been through. I don't know. It was, it was really interesting how she was breaking it down for me. And I hit her back with like the free will thing about like, well, you could choose just to say like, screw off to the environment. And she was like, yes, but then what in your life affected you to make you want to be the rebel? And you're like, oh my god, it's just a cycle, like that. That's all you have to like keep coming up with, and it's like, oh yes, well, back when whatever, two years old, and your father left you, that's why you want to leave, and you're like, oh my god, is it? And you like keep going down that road, and it seems um, I don't. Know. But then it also that's makes true,
1: yeah. It,
0: it makes me think of like you with um, who wants to live that way, having their day planned, like when you were telling me about the other Muslim girl,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like that would that seems kind of that seems kind of shitty to think like all my reactions and actions are predetermined. Like that's no fun. <laughs> Where's the surprise, right?
2: Yeah. It's just, I, I guess it's like you can choose whatever belief system is going to help you live the best and and not necessarily that any of them is right or wrong. Whatever vibes with you, honestly, I think that's what spirituality means. You right. find something that works and makes you show up as like the best, most authentic most loving person version of you.
0: Yeah. I often, and yeah, I think of it a lot like kids. Um, you know, like if you put out whatever, a crayon, a basketball, a book, um, pancake, like you just think of different things set out and you just told a kid, <laughs> you don't tell them anything. You just put them in a room with it. And like, whatever the kid goes to first is what they're like into, right. It kind of gives them happiness. You would yeah. think, and I almost think like spirituality, it's a that journey. You got to figure out like, what does, what is my back? Like, am I a basketball guy <laughs> do, or do I enjoy coloring more? Am I more of a writer? Am I more of a reader? And like, you can't know that until you go through them to understand how they make you feel, whether they fulfill you or not, whether you're giving your time to that or not.
2: Hmm. Yeah. You, you have to choose. I, I heard this analogy and just going off what you just said
0: that, and your analogies are always better than mine, by the way. I found this <laughs> no, out really I quick. My
2: own. I heard it the other day on, um, on like an audio book, but it's like your life experiences is like playing a harp. You know, you, you're not going to want to play every single string at the exact same time. Like there's no beauty in that, that the yeah. harp is beautiful because you delicately can, can choose which string to play. And, but every time you choose a string, you're equally not choosing the rest. And so it's this, like, really powerful new play of, like, I am fully choosing this. I'm fully in this experience and this timeline is, like, also letting go of everything else that you're not in that moment. Um, but then the only way to fully know and to experience is to say no to the other things.
0: So – and it it's funny. I do, like – and, again, I say it's funny when I'm getting my thoughts together. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I was looking down and I took a note about Denver. And, I like, I got to ask – So are you a pot smoker? Because I can just imagine you and some people like just lighting up and having some real in-depth and getting lost conversations.
2: Yep. That was actually my best friend in Denver that I moved in with. Um, (laughs) That was, that's what we did.
0: (laughs) I could not imagine, man. I could not imagine. (laughs)
2: <laughs> it, it is. I, I fully support it. And I think that there's no harm in it. Like there's so much creativity and um, insight. And I remember I, I was watching this show. Um, it's called, uh, I, you might have seen it. Maybe most likely not, actually. It's called the Outer Banks on Netflix.
0: No, it's pretty popular
2: not. right now. You seen it?
0: No, I have not.
2: Oh, okay. Well, I was watching it like quite a few episodes. And then one of the episodes I smoked before and I watched and I'm like, oh my gosh. The, like, the character development or character outline is is (laughs) (laughs) Scooby-Doo. Yeah, like, they had, like, the the hot air, like, cool guy, and then, like, his, like, cute girlfriend, and then they had, like, the really scared girl that was Velma, and then the stoner guy, Shaggy, and and then um, this other guy who's, like, also really scared was scooby Um, and they were in this like mystery machine car. Um, and I was, I didn't put it together until I smoked. And then now I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah, that's definitely what they were going off of.
0: (laughs) So how does it, or what does it change? And I, I maybe change is the wrong word, but like, there's gotta be a difference, right? So do you find yourself when you smoke a little more aware, a, a little more focused on the moment, a little more drifty?
2: I think I find that I I don't see things as like I normally see them. Like this is like a TV is a TV, so that's just the way it is. Like you see it differently. Like okay, well, what if it wasn't that way? Like the rules, I guess, are kind of stripped when you're in that state, and you just see things maybe for as they are, or maybe for deeper than they are. Um, yeah, it's like the social norms of what things are, and the labels
0: are a little bit less relevant. Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah, I always wonder because you know you you hear stuff like happy drunk, sad drunk, right? Like sloppy drunk stuff like mm-hmm. that, and I feel like people get I don't know like different personalities. Again, it's probably the wrong word, but like when you smoke, it definitely can highlight or emphasize part of your personality. Like whoa, you get really deep when you smoke, or man, you just giggle at everything when you smoke. Yeah, you know.
2: Yeah, there's definitely different aspects of you that can come out. Um, and it just, I think, also depends on the environment. Like when I'm by right. myself, I also just journal. And I've actually found that I have, I'm able to discover some of my more subconscious beliefs and stories that I have when I sit down and journal and, and write about it. And I look back, I'm like, whoa, I cannot believe that I hadn't realized this sooner. Um, or when I'm with people that are really geekly, then I'm I'm down to have fun. Or if I want to have deep talks, everything like back to your, your, what is the Skinner? Um, it's all environment.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you don't even get to choose who you're going to be as a stoner. It's predetermined. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember, um, when was the first time you had smoked? Was it like a, a watershed moment religiously? Or were you past it and like it was just a cultural norm of this spiritual journey that you were like, oh shit, everyone's lighting up, let me get some.
2: Oh, it was, um actually I smoked before I ever drank. So mm-hmm. I started, I was a really good girl all through high school and I started smoking in college. Um, it was like, I think a little part of me was still stuck with the religion saying that, well, drinking is bad, but smoking, no one said anything Ah, about
0: you (laughs) found the loophole. That's the beauty of religion, right? Most people try to find the (laughs) loopholes. Yeah.
2: So I was just a stoner my freshman year. I, I would go to parties and just do that. I would smoke. Um, so I think my first time, like, it, it, there was not really, I don't know, I kind of just felt like this is okay. And I remember I told my parents, I'm like, hey, like, just so you know, like, I don't know why, actually, I, I felt this need to be honest with them. Mm-hmm. It was this, like, programming that to be a good girl, like, you have to be honest and tell the uh, truth. And, and I did. Right. And they were actually, they responded really well. I, I was, I was happy about that. So mm-hmm. that responded. was a nice sort of breaking point, like, slowly, slowly easing them into, I'm not exactly going to be who I have been all this time.
0: Yeah. Well, um, what did you think their response was going to be?
2: Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I expected anything. I think I think they knew that they would trust me as as an adult, and so my parents. I will I will give it to them. They are really understanding, and they weren't overly strict on. Um, yeah, I think they gave us freedom to some degree. Like, yes, this isn't – I would like you to not, (laughs) but I trust you.
0: Gotcha. To deal with it or do the right thing.
2: Yeah, to to not take it too far and and let this, like, you know, take me – even though my mom, of course, she works for, like, welfare services and stuff and, Um. and you know – county government. So she was starting to get a little worried. Like this is a gateway drug.
0: I was about <laughs> to say like reefer madness type thing. Like, and you're traveling to Thailand. You're going to come back on heroin.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: Luckily it turned out okay. I think my dad helps calm her down. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's um, yeah. that That's the, uh, I really wonder is, is like that mom mentality, your mom's mentality. Are those the people that's stopping it from just nationwide legalization? Cause that's so disproven at this point. Like it, it's the environment's way more of a gateway drug. It's not the pot itself that yeah. makes it like, Oh my God, like th- this high is just not enough. I need to do more Coke. <laughs> like that. it just doesn't happen that way.
1: Yeah. But enough. It's so unrelated.
0: Right. But enough voters feel like through that marketing back in the day, they grew up hearing that, that like, that's the truth. And I wonder like, is it 10 more years? before there's enough people who are just like, man, fuck it, dude. Like it's, it's actually better for you than all the drinking that people do. It's better for your body.
2: Yeah. I, I think that it's, it's sad to say it like this, but those people are going to start dying out right. and they're just not going to be the, the dominant group anymore. Um, and, and if you think about it, like back in like the sixties when psychedelic drugs and, and marijuana was just starting to be studied and how it had so many benefits to, Um, Just overall mental health and it was able to cure people from deep depression and anxiety and all that that kind of stuff. And the pain
0: relief, man. The pain relief alone. Yeah. I I went to a doctor yesterday. I I was drilling a hole with an auger, which I shouldn't have because I'm totally not that guy. But I was like, you know what? Just for today, I'm going to try to be that guy who knows how to operate power tools. Get like six, seven deep. That thing jams up, dude. And I've never like – I jog. I work out. But like I've never felt this kind of back pain. So four days, I go to the doctor finally. I'm like, look, man, I don't know if something's wrong. I don't know if it's a pulled muscle, whatever. It's like, no, you're fine. Here's 800 milligrams. And do you want muscle relaxers? And I'm like, it's that quick to get a drug like that? But yeah. like, wouldn't it actually be healthier if I smoked a joint and relaxed in a bathtub? <laughs> <laughs> like, like would, w- w- why are we okay with muscle relievers and 800 milligrams of ibuprofen, but we're not okay with like a natural herb that can relax your body? right. That can ease discomfort.
2: Yeah. It truly makes no sense. Like this grows in the earth. If you believe in God, God made this earth and everything that's on this earth is part of his creation. Right. So why would this be bad? You know, I, yeah. I, that's, that's something my dad always said. He's like, everything on this earth has a purpose.
0: Yeah. Uh, so and I stand for that. do you do the mushrooms too? I like sounding old when I say it as in the <laughs> mushrooms. <laughs> yes.
2: Yes. I've, I've done mushrooms as well.
0: Okay. And um, so
2: and
0: just, I, go, no, yeah. go ahead. I was just going to say, dude, like that's one of the things again, being in Delaware, um, talking to people from there was a, a yogi from Toronto or near Toronto that spoke to me about like the ayahuasca tea he went and had in Peru and how like the mushrooms and the psychedelics and helping using it to connect to your spirit. And that's why I almost wanted to be like, Oh yeah, she's, she does mushrooms.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. You do this. I mean, ayahuasca is like an even more intense experience. I have not done that yet. And, um, I'm kind of still waiting to like feel called to do it. There'll be a point in my life. I'm sure when, when I'll need it or be drawn to it, but it it seems like
0: such a trust move, right? It'd be like taking ecstasy or like a Molly in a room full of horny frat boys. You just <laughs> all, you just got to make sure that environment is a safe environment for you to be on that stuff. From what I hear.
2: Yes, definitely. And, and you have to be in a good state as well. Like this can't be like an escape for you. It needs to be like, almost like a, I'm in a good place and I just want to discover more and I want to explore. Not like I'm in a low and I just want to you know, stop feeling bad or yeah. get over something.
0: Yeah. Cause then and- it turns into crack, you know? like, like I feel like shit. So I'm going to take a drug to like ease my mind kind of a thing versus Mm -hmm. use the drug to explore almost like what you were saying.
2: Yeah. It'll just heighten whatever's on your mind. So if you're in an exploratory discovery mode, then it'll, it'll help open those gateways and help you learn more. But if you are in like, uh, maybe you just had a breakup and you're just feeling unworthy and just so down and want to get over that. No, all you're going to think about is that, and it's going to, like shine a big flashlight into that experience and that, that part of you. And it's not going to heal anything if you didn't go into it with the intention of healing.
0: Right. So what, um, what spurred you, how worried were you actually when you first were doing the mushrooms? I can't believe you didn't really do anything in high school, man. That has to be so rare. So now <laughs> it's like, are are you just like a kid in a candy shop where you're like, oh my God, I can't wait to try all this stuff. Or is it like really weird? Cause you don't have any experience with it.
2: Um, I don't know. I I definitely was not a kid in the candy shop. I I think (laughs) because because me growing up in such a religious life, like the brainwash, I feel like that I was in, I felt like I needed to, um, if I was gonna do it, I needed to prove to myself that I wasn't gonna do it wrong, or, you know, Um... not, not abuse it. Like, I just, I felt so like, I would be feeling guilty if I messed up. So I didn't for a long time. I was very good and I didn't overdo anything. I actually didn't even do, I did, um, acid the first time, um, uh, my senior year of college, my very last week. And then oh. I did mushrooms probably like, uh, six months or a year later.
0: Um, how'd um, you feel about the acid compared to mushrooms?
2: Um, cause that's uh, chemical,
0: right? Which is interesting. <laughs> and that's why I'm bringing it up. Cause like, that's not from the earth. That's man-made. That's synthetic. Yeah
2: that's that's very true um so that was my first experience with anything psychedelic I have not done acid in a few years and I still would rather do mushrooms now because I think acid just kind of like it's just so one yes it is unnatural but it is also still safer than any of those other um pills that people take um it's just so intense like you can't really have any like you can't microdose with action <laughs> uh, you just you, you have to commit to the full trip but it was amazing i had a, like you said you know it depends on your environment it was my last week of college i was with two friends that both done it before and we just walked down the beach and that was it i just had a nice day walking around oh, drank a beer listen to music
0: i was it was a beautiful day dude how sunny was that sun
2: oh my gosh <laughs> how blue
0: was the water <laughs> <laughs> and, and then and then
2: color other colors too like colors you don't see it's like wow really? um, it was it was incredible like I'm, I'm really grateful I've, I've had really good experiences on all of the times that I've tripped but all of them have been very intentional I, I don't think I've um yeah I've had really good good experiences and luckily
0: yeah And so I know Ken, the candy shop's kind of like a jerk and I'm not trying to portrait you in like some uh,
1: druggy way,
0: but like with mushrooms too, it's one of those things where it's like, have you ever heard of anyone being addicted or overdosing on mushrooms? Like, no, no, (laughs) right. Like it's just one of those things where people use it for its purpose. Um, not for abuse, you know? Mm
2: -hmm. Um, Yeah. You just, I don't know. I've never heard of that. So I don't,
0: I don't think it exists. Yeah. Cause if it, does exist and i haven't heard of it then i deny its existence i was trying to get all philosophical with it like the tree falling in the woods kind of a thing but
2: i know i've I've been thinking about that recently i was like does it but no i feel like it's not
0: (laughs) wait you go it doesn't make a sound you can't
2: um no it doesn't
0: stop you're so wrong how can something hitting the ground not make a sound even if you don't hear it
2: but what is the purpose of sound
0: no. Why does sound have to have a purpose?
2: For, our, be... for us, we need to hear in order to feel safe. Like we need to hear when like a lion is, is charging over to us. We need to hear so the going... tree about to kill us, but that's
0: it. Now, oh my gosh, I don't know. I'm going to, so you're saying if sound is not heard, it does not exist. Yeah. And you yeah. actually think sound and it into itself has a purpose. Like we have a purpose. Like our spirit has a purpose. Sound has that same purpose.
2: Everything has a purpose. Um, and sound its is, is there, it's, it sound is perceived like that is, it's not even, I wonder if even like, is it really its own entity like, or is it just a perception of us? We've created this, this idea that something makes sound because we have perceived it.
0: So if you're not feeling the sun's rays, the sun is not shining. If you're in your basement, no windows, the sun's not shining.
2: Yeah. yeah. What's the proof that it is?
0: Come on. The, the, the trees that are soaking it up, man. Like aren't the other things in the woods reacting and hearing the sound that has fallen from the tree that's coming from the tree?
2: If you are in the basement, okay, for an indefinite amount of time, years in there. How do you know? How do you have any proof that anything outside exists?
0: Because the corn's still growing. Because the grass is still green. How do you know? When you see it.
2: Well, you haven't seen it.
0: Eventually you will. You don't know like so you Exactly.
2: Go to, so it takes you you perceiving it in order for it to become real.
0: Oh, to see the consequences of it. Until if, oh. you
2: see it or hear it, it is not real.
0: Wow. That's actually I don't know if you've converted me. You've converted me to a lot today. This might be the first one where I'm like, maybe I'm just too much like a Nacho Libre, um, El (laughs) Skeleto. It's one of my favorites. Like, I'm a man of science. (laughs) Like, I'm like, I, I just think it's energy, man. The fucking tree hits the ground. The energy goes out and that energy is sound. Those waves are sound regardless of them being heard or not. They are there because if the tree exists, matter exists. And if that matter meets matter, that energy is expressed through waves of sound.
2: Yeah, but I also like to see it as we live in like our own holographic universe where everything exists.
0: Huh? The Matrix. So you're you're all in on this Truman Show thing because of the spirits and the lives.
2: Yep. I, I believe, yeah, everything is your own within your own mind and your reality. Like we all have a completely different universe. So wow. I, yeah, I, I the, can't so, hear the tree.
0: So we actually are the center of our own universe.
2: Absolutely. The
0: world revolves around us. Wow.
2: And that's why people say like, oh, the world's not about you. Well, it's really hard for people to get out of that because all we see is our own world. All we perceive right. is that. So we, we constitute as like, Oh, this is real because I have not seen it. You yeah. know, labeled it, given it the stamp of realness because we have seen it, but you know, there's so much else that exists, but does it exist? Or is it only real for that person in in, in their reality in their universe? Yeah.
0: And you know what, when you say that, and actually it again, Jesus, it's funny. Cause again, like I try to take notes And there I go again with saying it's funny, but I try to take notes. So then I kind of get reminded of what we had said. And speaking of Me Too movement and Black Lives Matter and things like that would so explain why it's so hard for movements like that to get traction with people who have never experienced it, because to them, it does not exist. Black Lives Matter, in essence, for a lot of white males is the tree that fell in the woods and no one was there to hear it. But now when you get the videos, it's like, oh, shit, I see the tree falling. I hear what's coming with it. And then you're able to bring that into your universe.
2: Yeah. So we're, we're ultimately like kind of coming together as one again. That, that's actually such a great way to put it, because once you see it, it's now becoming real for you. Right. And now you've you've aligned with the other person. Yeah. Like they are not no longer a separate entity they they become a part of you. Their experience becomes a part of you. And so now you become a part of them. And that is like the law of oneness. Like we are all ultimately one and that's mm-hmm. the goal. So we're, we're moving, we're inching closer to that with this, this new digi- digital era.
0: Yeah. The, the, the connectedness and the speed of which we can connect really is fucking amazing. I mean, it's, it's just amazing how quickly You can find out about things that you have no idea, never experienced before, which then expands your universe.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I'm still tripping on the, if it, if you have not experienced it, it has not happened. That is such like a strong statement. But at the same time, I almost wonder, like, could it be an absolute? Could you make that like a universal truth kind of a thing?
2: It's just a hard thing because especially when you talk about Black Lives Matter and you want to make a statement like if you have not experienced it, has not happened.
1: Right? Yeah, it's contradictory, it's, it's, right?
2: It's, well, it's immediately just like offensive and self-centered. And, right. But if you pause and think, okay, what does this really mean? And how have I unconsciously been living like this? Then I feel like there's less of like, okay, you're offending Black people. You're just seeing, okay, it's not about this specific situation. It's like, okay, perception of our world
0: man. Yeah. Well, because you got me on the sun argument, you don't know if the sun is shining until you see it. (laughs) I'm like, yeah. Or you see the consequences of it having shined, shown, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: shined. I don't know what the past tense of shining would be.
2: Yeah. Shown. (laughs) Nothing seems to sound right.
0: It's, It's like hanged, you know, like I would always say, yeah, he hung himself, but really it's, he hanged himself. Right. I think that's Uh, the actual like proper way to say or grammatically correct. Oh,
2: then I guess I've been saying it wrong.
0: (laughs) I feel like most or have you not been saying it wrong because there is no wrong in your reality, Uh,
2: only communication. Yeah, (laughs) I like that. Right. Turning it back on me. (laughs)
0: Not not so much back on you, but more like the it's an interesting perspective if you start trying to see things through other lenses. Right. And like, how else can you do that other than identify and apply? Right.
2: Yeah. It, it expands. our thinking. might as well. Like even if you don't fully agree yet or if you're, you're skeptical, just test it out, you know, it's, right. it's always nice to try on new beliefs and theories and just see how it feels like yeah. when I wear this, do I feel good? Like maybe you do, maybe you won't, you can keep passing it and move on.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's, uh, yeah, man, it's so true. And doing um these podcasts. That is something that I, um, that you hear from people kind of across the world, to be honest with you, and it's very empowering where it's like, you don't need to feel shackled to those rules. Um, it's okay to trust what you like, um, and embrace that, you mm-hmm. know, and I feel, I feel like it's a lot of that, n- the newer generation, to be honest with you, you youngins. Yeah. Are you a <laughs> millennial? Well, like, what, what do you identify as anything? Age wise?
2: Um I guess I'm a millennial. I'm I'm twenty-six, so I think that's millennial.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I always um I always wonder how people like that feel. It seems like the labels, like um, even if I how do you identify, right? Like she, her kind of a thing. And but at the same time people are so anti-label, but then you have to talk about how you what you fit into for like some sense of like norm right? Some sense of like identification is why you have those labels. So I always wonder when like free spirits like yourself, like how they feel about being called a millennial, like it's an offensive thing. It's a, I don't even care about it thing. It's a, why do you care about it thing?
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's someone's own perception. Somebody could see a millennial as, uh, you know, really hardworking and innovative and free spirited, but somebody else could see them as entitled and uh, self-centered and lazy, which both, both of them, people definitely have those labels, but that's not up to me. You know, like yeah. that's their perception. Like your judgment of me has nothing to do with me. Yeah. Like if my reaction that matters.
0: And I was literally about to ask, how are you received on all your travels, man? Like when you're going Mexico, Costa Rica, Bali, mm-hmm. like, are you feeling awkward as an, as a young American? Or are you just feeling you?
2: Um, yeah that's a very American question actually to <laughs> ask that, um, because there is no sense of age or culture or distinction when when I'm traveling like I have friends that are decades older than me like moms and then I have friends who are you know 19 years old and have left the house and never went back Like, it, it's so interesting how you have such a wide range of people with so many stories and um, that's also why I love traveling is but there's this commonality of Oh, we're just all travelers. Like we just kind of do life like this and that you have this common denominator already. You don't need to share your full story or have a million things in common because you already have that. Like your energy is what you have in common.
0: The and energy to explore. Huh? I'm sorry. I so cut yeah, you off. I, think, I was saying like the energy to explore, like that is the bond.
2: Yeah. Just like your presence. Like you're here and you don't really care. And the labels don't matter. Like not everybody that is, you know, from Italy fully identifies as every bit Italian than compared to those who are in Italy. You know, the, the Italian that leaves and comes to Italy is like a little bit more exploratory and curious and fluid than the one who is, um, you know, living at home. Yeah. So that, that's why it's like, you just kind of have the assumption that, okay, if you left, then you don't have this like deep attachment to your home and you are flexible with, with meeting anybody from anywhere. Maybe that's my own assumption. Uh, but that's the experience that I've had when traveling. I've gone to people really easily.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> have you not been to somewhere that you're like, man, I can't, I got to get here. Like, do you feel drawn to a particular place region that you haven't been able to get to?
2: Um, that I have not gotten to yet would be Tanzania. Uh, yes. I feel, I feel drawn to going there. And um what's the pull? So I actually did a past life regression hypnosis. Oh my god. And um yeah, it, it was so intense, so <laughs> profound, like I didn't I didn't even know what to expect from that experience, but it had a past life there in, in Tanzania. Um and so now I just have this like intrigue. Like I, I just kinda wanna go back there and see like you know what what kind of knowledge or wisdom what I'll be able to unlock when I'm in that region and that my soul gets to be back there
0: are you finding these hypnotists on like craigslist that i got <laughs> dude so much trust so much trust to let someone in your brain like that right
2: um so there am no, not finding them on Craigslist. In Bali, there, there's quay, it, it's very popular. So there's a lot of this kind of healing and, and spiritual community. So you will find people that are excellent at what they do there. And, like and that's Yelp? And I trust. Is there them. a Bali
0: Yelp for this? Or is this like word of mouth?
2: Yeah, kind of word of mouth. I, I heard it through a friend. Um, and also, like I guess it, look, what doesn't scare me is that you're not really letting them into your mind. Like they are just helping you open the door into your own mind. You're the only one there, um, and I think that they're just facilitators for this experience. That's hypnotism is like people really get freaked out by it, and I
0: yeah I, I do. That
2: that's just a, such a stigma, and it's not it's not like what you think it is at all. It's just a deep meditation, and there's somebody guiding you through it and asking you questions, and so she'll like set you up and be like, okay, what do you see? what do you feel? What do you hear? And you start to notice these things in your environment that you're like, wait, where is this coming from?
0: So like a quiet little room or like there's a music playing mantra kind of a thing being chanted or.
2: (laughs) So, um, yeah, you're just in a quiet room. You're laying down. She needs like, she helps get you kind of like in a meditative place. And then she kind of drops you into the hypnosis slowly, slowly, and then you go deeper and deeper into it. Um, again, you have to be willing to do it. You have to like want it. You have to have an intention for something to get out of this experience. You can't just show up and, um, say, I, I wanted to do this just for fun. Right. You're not going to get any- much out of it because it, won't it be needs authentic. to have a purpose.
0: Gotcha. And do, so how did you discover the Tanzania part? You just like <laughs> bl- blotted out the word like Tanzania.
2: Yeah, it was the weirdest thing. I was like, wait, is this really, like, the right way to say it? Like, is this (laughs) actually how you pronounce it? (laughs) Um, And it was the way, so with hypnosis, it's not like you, well, in my experience, don't just black out and to have all these, you don't splurge out knowledge. It was like, you're kind of conscious. There's a version of you that's sitting there listening, and then there's a version of you that's speaking out loud, and it's like, whoa, where's this information coming from? And I was like telling a story it's a four hour hypnosis. Wow. Like I was in the, in the state for that long and she just asks you questions. And as you're speaking, you're like, where is this knowledge coming from? Like, it's this astounding separation within your unconscious and conscious self.
0: So you're literally just kind of surprising yourself that, or do you feel secure in the work? I, I, sorry, this is me being clunky again. So like, it's funny. Cause like you get asked a question, some people think right, wrong that's not the way to think because the question is just to discover. So there is no right, wrong. Am I thinking about that? Right.
2: (laughs) Uh, In in regards to what?
0: The hypnosis, because when you wonder like, wow, where did that come from? That's the whole part of discovery, right? You're you're tapping into this stream of conscious that's holding this information that you can't normally get to. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So as these words come up, you just trust them as like, that is the truth that that is what is right because that is what came up
2: yep yeah so you just have to trust trust yourself and trust whatever comes up like it's just also the the whole storyline that i had about this life that i had in tanzania and how i was escaping from this drug lord and um and then i ended up finding this white family that took me in and i ended up you know, having a a niece that I, that I ended up raising in this family household and they took care of me. It was such a crazy plot line. Dude, shit. And I I called my brother afterwards and told him and he's like, wow, like this is, and he just is not a believer in this stuff. He's, he was just like amazed as how much detail he's like, I feel like I just watched a movie listening to tell that entire story. Um, It's just really odd. Like, where does this come from? And when you're in it, you're just kind of thinking like, okay, uh like she she basically the purpose of her being there is to help calm you down and be like, Don't worry, you're you're okay. You're right, you're ah, safe. You're allowed you're allowed to trust yourself.
0: And did That's you feel it. like there, when you were going through the story, are you feeling like literally like this drug lord's coming after you as you're running away? Are you feeling that kind of apprehension? Or is it more like a calm like summary?
2: No, you're feeling it. So you kind of go back into it a little yeah, bit, right? into that That's body. What I'm um, you can feel, like, the tension. I remember I had moments that I was, like, crying, like, tears were coming out. And then so, there their moments of fear and moments of, like, um, uncertainty. But it, it makes a lot of sense because, the, so since we have so many past lives, um, the one that you will access in this hypnosis is likely the one that is most correlated with your experience in this lifetime. That so there is something unfinished, unhealed in that life then, you know, maybe it'll be replicated to some degree in this current life. And and that's why you'll, you'll kind of pull that out in your hypnosis because that's the most relevant and you just have to trust that whatever comes through is stuff that you need to be aware of now and work on now.
0: So you're going to go back there and kill the drug Lord, right? Like you're an assassin. Are you training? Is that what you think is going to happen?
2: Uh, well the story's already finished. Wait, what do you mean?
0: No, that was jokes. Cause you said you're going back to Tanzania <laughs> to like relive it. So like oh, no, you're going to no, go no, to Tanzania, no. you're going to no, take like what? six months. You're going to learn <laughs> was... a bunch of Kung Fu. It's going to be like kill bill three. And you're just going to roll in there chopping heads off.
2: <laughs> no, no, no. I, uh, that was my family weirdly enough. So I, I could never, I have love for them. And, and in the hypnosis, we got to even like, not we, who's we, I, I guess, Um, got to go and speak to like these spirits and and the the people that were um, in that lifetime. I got to speak to them again, which is a a weird trippy experience. Um, And I apologize to to my brother of that life and and things like that. So really, really crazy. And I know this sounds so over the top for anybody who is not experienced anything like this. I I definitely sound pretty nutty, but I'm okay with that. And I still trust it. And I, I, I've had wonderful experiences.
0: Is it weird at all to say my brother in that lifetime, having a brother in this lifetime?
2: Mm, um, No, it's not weird because when I was in that state, I felt like I was that person. I really felt it. And I think maybe had I not had that experience, I would not be able to identify as, oh, my brother in that lifetime. That would have sounded weirder. But I think because I've had that experience, I, I get it
0: more. Right. Man, that is... That's at the same time, like you want to say it's nuts, but I guarantee if people just like think a little bit, like it makes me like want to go do that shit. (laughs) Like, cause you just want to like almost have that experience of, wow, what would it be? Like what, anything that you think, you know, and by the way, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you don't even know. You don't know that could be (laughs) floating around there. And now like, what could it be? You know, that's oh man.
2: Yeah, I, I, love, I love this stuff because there is no set answer. Right. God, I'll never forget it. I went on a date with this guy and he told me that, oh, like, I just, I don't really like asking why. And I'm like, what? Why? <laughs> That's like my favorite question. Like, I love to wonder. Like, that is right. the best thing about this life is that we don't know. We get to wonder.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. Man, don't want to ask why. What did he say? Like, why, why don't you like to ask why? And he's like, cause it leads to shit like this.
2: <laughs> I, I just, I knew it was over after that. I'm like, all right, this, this isn't going anywhere. We'll
0: just kind of no f- finish,
2: finish our drinks here and wrap it
0: up. Oh, okay. I was about to say you should have like been like, Oh, you don't like to ask why great. And then what's the most expensive bottle of wine on the menu? Yep. Take one of those.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is going to be a pretty dry conversation.
0: <gasps> yeah. Jesus. That's almost like, yeah. I like it's, it's funny because it does, it screws me up sometimes where I get in trouble because i really like to, I, I do, well, I do two things. Number one, i really like to ask why and have like those just think out loud philosophicals. Well, what if, well, could it be? And then the other thing I love doing is just trying to take an opposing point. No matter, no matter if I feel it or not, if someone says something, I'll just try to argue the opposite to see how well I can on the spot, like try to support an argument. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why that's appealing to me, but I always find it like almost like a little mental exercise where it's just fun. You know, it's just challenging to see if you can think of these things or think in the perspective of someone who would believe this, you know, whatever the topic is that you're trying to argue. Um,
2: Yeah. Do you know your, um, your sign, your zodiac sign?
0: Yeah. That's the cancer thing, right? Libra or whatever. You're a cancer? Yes.
2: Oh, okay. Interesting. Huh. No, I guess because I have one of my, or actually multiple of my friends are Virgos. And that's like a very Virgo trait to like enjoy, like arguing almost, arguing for the sake of arguing a little bit right? Um, and enjoying just kind of like the, that back and forth and being able to come up with things. Um, so I was just wondering, but cancer, actually, I'm, I'm partly a cancer too. And I have that in my chart. So I, I love cancer. So that's my, that's my most compatible people I get along with the best. So oh, that's why we have cancer. Great
0: talk. <laughs> nice. Yeah. The, it's funny because, um, and I haven't gotten into it again. Fuck. And it's <laughs> something I notice when you like listen back is how often you say like your are whatever, everyone has like a phrase. And for me, I'm finding out it's that's funny. Um, so I'm <laughs> trying to like call myself out when I say it to stop it. But with Kyleen, she was trying to explain how you can be part of signs and stuff like this to me. And I just couldn't wrap my head around it, man. You know, like when you said I'm part cancer, I'm like, wait, that doesn't make any sense. Like your birthday falls on a month. You're closest to this star at that time. That's why you're all that. How are you part? And she's like, no, 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 it's in my chart, different places. And you're like, what? And I, I just, I don't know. I maybe I haven't read enough about it, but it's so hard for me to grasp.
2: Once you, once you do read a little more about it, it will actually make more sense than believing that we are just one thing. Right. Uh, you have like a moon sign and an ascending sign and, there's like, you know, the version of you that you're by yourself and the version of you that other people get to see right away and the version of you that you're working on becoming and, and moving towards. So all of that is laid out in your chart. Um, so when I think maybe when you we get the full, like do like a full natal reading, you can do it for free online and just see if you resonate with that. It's always kind of interesting to see how it reflects where you are and the type of partners you end up attracting and things like that. Know.
0: So what do you just like literally Google naval reading? Did I hear that right?
2: Uh, natal. So N A T A L
0: N A T A L. And I don't have to worry about them like stealing my identity. So I'll be like an 80 year old man. Just click wiring money to someone because they say they kidnapped my granddaughter. I feel like if I, get, I go free natal reading, I'm going to get on some <laughs> bad websites.
2: I can't make any promises there, but you'll have to do your research.
0: <laughs> right. Like, hmm, this one's in Tanzania. That'll be okay. And then you click it, and all of a sudden you're putting in your social. And I'm like, wait, yeah, I need to know my, I need to know my calling.
2: God, no, no socials for astrology,
0: right? Yeah, I don't, man. It's just, it is. It's talking to different people again who who are thinking similar, like that spiritualness. Is to me, it is. It's interesting because it's just such a different, almost like anti anglio way of thinking because you really wonder like why do you think the way you think why do you feel the way you feel and a majority of it is your youth and primarily based around like religion and what you think is right or wrong and then having to like unlearn all of that um can be very difficult you know because you do you go through that guilt
2: yeah unlearning uh, means not belonging if you you leave we don't want to not be be loved and included so Yeah. It's kind of scary to unlearn things.
0: Yeah. The tribal, the identity it's. Yeah. All right. All right, man. So because we are almost at three hours at this point, I want to respect your time because you have a thriving business that I'm sure you need to get to. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. This has been awesome. Well, so you're not off the hook yet. I want you to start thinking of a cool story because I end the podcasts with this. Can I get your best first for last? We've saved the best first for last. Sponsored by Abstinence. Waiting makes it worthwhile.
2: My best first for last?
0: I'm going to let you hang. Uh,
2: wait, what is the question?
0: The question, isn't it? What is the answer? No, I'm just no. Um, I think people get nervous because oh, I tell best them
1: first or last.
0: No, four, not or. Best first, four last. That was my East Coast accent. Basically, a really cool story that was like a first experience for you.
2: Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, it's
0: actually it's pretty simple. I think people just get nervous because I try to hype it up, and they're like, "Oh my god, yeah. what's the, what what's what's this going to be?" And it's like, I don't know. I just thought it would be a neat way to end podcast where people can express a really cool first experience they had, um, for the last thing that people hear about them on the pod.
2: Okay. I got one. So, um, I, my best, my first time I ever did like a lap dance was in public (laughs) and it was a modern women's festival. And we had to like, we were in big, a big circle and just get up there and give, give a lap dance to our stripper instructor Um, and it's just like embodying your sexy, divine feminine for all that she is and being seen doing that. So not only had I never given a lap dance, but I finally did it in public where everybody to see, um, to a stripper who was very good at what she was doing. Um, so that was the most pressure I feel like I'd ever put on myself. And, uh, I'm actually so proud. Like I, I'm so proud that I even did it and got up and had the nerve to do it. Um,
0: dude, are you a dancer? Like, do you dance? Do you feel like you have rhythm?
2: I feel like I do. I feel like I have rhythm, but, um, yeah, I feel like when I, when I want to dance, I I like doing kind of like the sexy dance. Like it's fun to like move your hips and like get really into it. Um, but to be seen like, Oh my gosh, I was definitely known as the person in the family who did not dance and I wouldn't go to, I wouldn't dance at the weddings or the parties or graduations I didn't like to be seen, uh, dancing. And, and so this was a huge move for me.
0: And how do you get into this class? It's just, are you trying to live life, have an experience?
2: Yeah, it was a a modern women's festival. So there's a ton of different like workshops that you can attend. And, um, it sounds so Californian,
0: like it just sounds so like liberal California, stereotypical, you know,
2: Um, yeah, I feel like they definitely would have one in California, but this is done in Bali. So oh if you think California is liberal, oh my gosh, Bali is like a million degrees more of just into this this woo woo spiritual, like out there stuff. So that's why I love it,
0: <laughs> man. And you're just walking by and you got drawn to it, huh?
2: Yeah, I got drawn. It was just like a dance class. I had no idea that that's the degree that we were going to go to, um, and yeah, she cut in the stripper, like the instructor, she's like very owns it. She's like, I'm a stripper and I've loved everything I've done. And I'm so proud of myself. And I have embodied this like sexy part of who I am. And now I teach it. I teach other women to do this kind of dancing and to own and claim that part of them. Um, and yeah, I walked into the class just thinking it was a dance class and she <laughs> called on me. And I was like one of the first people to go out there
0: and, <laughs> and do my dance. Dude, where were you looking? Were you like trying to seduce her with your eyes? Are your eyes closed? Like that had, to me, that would be like the most awkward part is like, what do I do with my eyes?
2: I think I had to look at her eyes. I couldn't look at other people. <laughs> so yeah, I was just really entranced and in the moment.
0: And what, like, what'd you take away from her reactions? Like, is she like giggling with you? Is she like serious? Like I, it's she was working
2: a, it. she can, it was amazing. Cause she can hold space for this kind of stuff. And I think that's, what was so beautiful. Like she made you feel like whatever you did was perfect. Uh, um, and that's what I loved.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, dude, that is a very, like, that is an underrated skill for, um, people is just making other people feel comfortable. Some mm-hmm. people really do struggle. And when you can fucking, when you can nail making people comfortable. I would imagine in that profession, um, you're going to be very successful.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is scary stuff. So I commend her and I, am so grateful for her for, for opening me up and, and just allowing that part of me to come out. And of course, being growing up as a good little Muslim girl and, you know, giving a lap dance in public is crazy. Like that was such a big step, a long way that I had come from.
0: So Did it bother or did it matter to you that it was a girl? Did you feel more comfortable, less comfortable?
2: Um, I think I I think I don't know. Like, I, I think I felt comfortable. Like it, it didn't matter. I just feel like the gender just didn't have much significance. Like this experience was about me. It had nothing ah. to do with the other person. Um, so I don't know if it would have been more or less with a man if if, if it was a a man who was able to hold that space just as well as she was. Cause if you think ultimately it's about masculine versus feminine energy, it's not even masculine, you know, a, that's not a gender label. Right. Know, a woman can hold a masculine container just as well as a man can.
0: That's a good point. So you as the lap dancer have the masculine. So the person receiving would have to exhibit the feminine. Um,
2: or normally, yes. On
0: that?
2: normally yes, but in that space, because I was like, the student and I was I was the one that was experiencing this for the first time gotcha. I vulnerable.
0: was feminine. yeah
2: and she was masculine that was holding that space but yes normally you're right I see the receiver what you're saying. is but I didn't feel like I was the receiver necessarily in that space
0: cuz and how are you getting the encouragement like is it a groan is it like a hand placement like like how is that person giving you the feedback to empower you
2: um, it's just, you can just feel the energy in the room and the encouragement and just the sense that like you are in your body. Like, I don't think it's as, as like physical and as sexual as a normal, you know, in, um, lap dance intended to be the start of a sexual experience. It's a little bit different. It, this is more like, wow, you're claiming this and you're, you're having your fun and you're in your, just in your body. And it, it's it's a different energy. And I think the element of of sexuality isn't as
0: um prevalent right there
2: yeah i don't know yeah. what i'm looking for is that it's different it's like you're it's a very autonomous sexuality
0: gotcha yeah so it's more like so were you giggling and stuff like that too
2: yeah a little bit really yeah.
0: oh, okay yeah yeah, yeah 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 man that's and so you said first time have you done one since is this like a uh, thing of yours now
2: have i done one since i don't know if i can answer that <laughs> <laughs> I don't
0: think that's super relevant. Like, I don't know. I guess in my head, like, um, what was it? The movie hustlers with, um, Jennifer Lopez. Right. And it like, it was very much empowering of these women stripping and you can go to classes now. Right. And like, Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a pole dancing class. That's like a workout and it's an empowerment. It's everything that you're saying. So I guess that's kind of what I was thinking is like, some people do Zumba. Some people do cycle. Some people on Mm -hmm. Tuesday nights go lap dance classes. Like that's kind of where my mind started going with that. Cause I never thought of it um, for like that kind of like psychological empowerment, but I guess I could see it completely being that way.
2: Yeah. I mean, I would love to take pole dancing. That's something that I've been wanting to do. I haven't had um, a chance to do it yet, but that's something that I I feel like is so cool. Like you get to embrace the sexuality while honoring your strength, while feeling your feminine and still having that, that like masculine exertion, like it's it's such a beautiful interplay in all of the energies that are existing within you.
0: Yeah, it's um. Although at one point I think there was a video going around where they brought in a pole dancer to like a might have been like a second grade. Like, um, (laughs) it was was a
2: a (laughs) fundraiser
0: or something like, you know, it was like a a pep rally thing. And these kids were like amazed at the acrobatics and you just saw like the teachers in the background being like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) But the kids didn't take it like in that sexual way because they're not there yet. You know, Mm -hmm. they just saw like the flexibility and the strength and they were amazed at like the agility. Of this person going up, down, like like it's Cirque de lay kind of stuff to them, um, but then they get roasted because you bring a pole dancer into a little elementary school, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're so right. Environment like that's such a programming to think that this is like a inappropriate sexual behavior. But why not? Like, how cool is it? These people can do this with their body.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and we never got into it at all, but this is like, actually the, the woman empowerment thing is your business. So should, can we end with like a little, give yourself a plug? Like (laughs) what, what do you do? I know you have a really neat website.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I work with women specifically who want to discover more of like this unconscious self-sabotage, um, and who are trying to make their spiritual journey and their own self-discovery a priority. So when you're doing this work, you're able to discover what your purpose is and why you're here and how you can serve in this lifetime. Um, so that's the, the premise of what I do. And I have like an online course where I coach women through as well as um, one-on-one work and women's circles, which I am so, so in love with. Um, I think it's just just having that safe space to come together with other women and speak up and be heard is sometimes more powerful than what you do like on the yoga matter on the meditation, you know, talking and, and applying it into real world. um, yeah. And just being like, this is my story. This is who I am. And that's just that. And then to be around the circle of women who will hold that and be like, yeah, I support you for all that you are.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. Um, the empowerment just, comes from the numbers from the totally. Support. And it, yeah, am I thinking of it right in a layman's way of like group counseling kind of a thing?
2: Kind of, yeah. And the space here, it's, this is not meant to be like, oh, advice giving. We're just kind of here to listen. And the way that I do my women's circles is I actually combine it with authentic relating, uh, which is a type of communication where you ask questions and you open up parts of yourself that you might not normally have in a very surface level, small talk conversation. Uh, gotcha. um, so one of like my sentence stems will be like, if you really knew me, you would know. And so we go in a circle and everybody shares something. And if you have like a small circle, you'll continue to take laps and continue to go over and over again. And you'll find that with every round you get deeper and deeper and deeper and you feed off what other people are saying. And you just find like, oh my gosh, so much of our experiences is the same. And I feel you and I hear you and I, I feel so connected to you because we're the same ultimately.
0: Man, dude, you at the age of 26, you do sound like you've lived many, many lives. So wise, so wise, Halai. So wise. I'm, I'm, oh, I I'm blown you. away. I, I had no idea that you were 26. I thought you just like looked young, but secretly were like 35, 40, you know, as you were speaking and stuff. And again, like when I was reading, when I, I always sound like a dork when I'm like, you have a neat website, but the reason it's neat, it's very professional. It's very informational and like, I was just scrolling through it, preparing or looking over the stuff for our talk. And I was like, dude, this lady, like she's got a legit business, man. Like it looks, it, it and it looks like it helps people. It really helps people to like to discover what's going on with them. It really does.
2: Yeah. I, I love what I do. And I'm so happy that I found my place. Like, this is what right. I am meant to do. And I know I'm good at what I'm doing because it feels good when I do it. Right. And I love it. So, I, and everybody has that thing. I so believe that oh, yeah. everybody has that thing that they just are perfect for.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Dude, that's, I'm actually reading um, The Giver. Did you ever read The Giver?
2: Uh, I'm, right now I'm thinking of The Giving Tree. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's similar. But no, so I, that
2: seems, the it gi- sounds familiar. The
0: Giver is, a, uh, it's a lit- it's a literature book, Lois Lowry. Um, I think it was written in like the early nineties. A lot of kids will read it in school. Yeah. Um, there was a movie maybe 10 years ago, I think, but basically it's like, you're in this dystopian society where at the age of 12, you get told what you are meant for. And that's your job for the rest of your life. Right. So like you're a judge, you're a nurturer, you're a custodian, you're an engineer, you're whatever. So this one kid gets told that he's the right. giver, which basically means he is now the holder of all history and emotion for the society. The society would be like very, whatever, communistic, right. like very bland. We try to take all discomfort out of it. Um, but anyway, I, I always think of that book and I'm reading it with my daughter because like, I think it's so important that you discover what you're into and then you try to just earn a living, enjoy your life doing that. And now it's not like work, you know, it's life. And it's such an important thing for um, mental health, I think. And I think a lot of people will get unhappy because they have to repeatedly do stuff that they're just not into. I'm like, how, like that would be terrible, be a terrible way to spend eight <laughs> hours a day, you know? Yeah. So dude, that's I, awesome that you're helping people to discover that in them.
2: Yeah. That's amazing that you're, you're sharing that with your daughter already. Like, you know, there was a time in our lives when work was not like miserable. Right? I just think that a time in human existence where we were just happy and we existed and in other parts of the world, you see that a little bit more where people aren't this uh, just driven for success and status.
0: Yeah, that, that We forget status. that
2: this isn't, this isn't exactly normal. we just made it normal.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, uh, the stock market, like what are these numbers, right? Like who cares about <laughs> success? It's, it's, it's fabricated. It's a farce, man. We just mm-hmm. all agree to accept it and therefore it's real. But in reality, what is it? It's nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and titles can nothing. be titles can be the exact same way.
2: Definitely.
0: Man, Well, Halai, I've taken so much of your time. It was great getting to know you. Um, Thanks so much for uh, giving it up. Thanks so much for saying yes and being a guest, man, Um, and for trusting that I was not some Russian fishing scam or something of that nature.
2: (laughs) Thank you so much. This has honestly been so, so much fun. Like You have such a good energy and so warm and, and genuine like it's really easy to open up with you so oh, thank you for that
0: thank you because again dude i am always so fearful like every question i ask is just going to come off as offensive like i don't know why but i appreciate you saying that that's very um self-assuring
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah amazing thank you all right
0: halai. thanks man and um have a good day you too Can have I a good
2: one Bye. a on the subject of
0: Thanks to Halai for coming on the pod and sharing her stories and views. Love it. I just love it when youngins follow their passion, especially when it involves helping others and they um, just enjoy what they're doing. Um, It's a big deal. Enjoy work. You'll never work a day of your life. Thanks to AndrePsyche.com for supporting the pod and go to AndrePsyche.com for some trippy merch that's worth checking out. And if you haven't already, please friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, the word of the pod, Tinkerbell, Tinkerbell, post that word on any of our social media or tag the pod while you use it on your social media and you'll get a shout out on the next podcast. Don't forget. Subscribe, rate, review the Getting to Know You pod. We're on Apple, Spotify, iHeart, or whatever podcast platform you push play on. And finally, if you or someone you know would like to become a sponsor of the Getting to Know You pod, we would love to partner with you. We have a wide-ranging global audience that would like to get to know more about your brand or business. All you've got to do is message us. Bye, Ocon Dios.